0: Madam Clerk, are we we live and good to go? We are. Good evening, audience. Uh, Good evening, trustees, good evening, executives, good evening, staff. Uh, Welcome to the February 9th, 2022 Alameda Health System Board of Trustees meeting. Madam Clerk, let's go to roll call, please.
1: Yes, Trustee Banerjee.
0: She is here.
1: It looks like she might be having some uh, Issue. so I'll circle back around to her.
2: Trustee Buket. Here. Trustee
1: Blue. Here. Trustee Chapman. Here. Trustee Esteen. Here. Trustee Fox. Here. Trustee Friedman. Here. Trustee Jensen. Here. Trustee Splendorio. Here. Trustee Banerjee. We're going to call her here. I see her.
0: I think she's just having issues. Got it. So, Madam Clerk, we have a quorum, correct? We do have a quorum, thank you. Okay, thank you. With that, we'll go to comment on public comment. So, public comment to our audience. As a reminder, uh, this Board of Trustees uh, welcomes public comment. We embrace public comment. As they say, all feedback and commentary is a gift. We try to live by that. I a few notes on public comment for anyone interested in it. Point number one, you should inform the Clerk of the Board that you would like to make public comment. There are instructions on our agenda, basically send our Clerk of the Board, C-O-B, Clerk of Board, at alamedahealthsystem.org an email and tell her you would like to make public commentary. Second, public comment can be made for specific agenda items or non-agendized items. If for specific agendized items, the public comment typically occurs right before that item of discussion. Uh, that's important for this evening. It's my impression that there's going to be a lot of public comment on one of the specific items related to the East Bay Medical Group. For those who are making public comment on, that is the last item of the evening. The forecast on that is roughly 710 to 715. So um, we'd love to have you for the duration of the meeting, but if you're making public comment on that agendized item, that's where that will go. If it's for a non-agendized item, it will occur right now at the top of the meeting. Third, generally speaking, if uh, uh, we, we uh, give up about three minutes time limit per speaker, however, if there are, you know, are a prodigious amount of speakers, we will adjust times to, to, for, towards reasonability and, and might adjust down to one minute. So just, uh, just make that consideration. We wanna we want hear your voices. So uh, with that, Madam Clerk, are there any non-agendized public comments that you see?
1: I don't have any.
0: Okay, and and I'm presuming that there is an array of public comment for uh, the last item of the evening? Correct. Okay, wonderful. Um, So uh, for all those speakers, uh, we look forward to your comments. All right, let's jump into the agenda, please. Item A, uh, this is the executive officer's report. For those of you who attend, this is where we always introduce an article for our shared learning. The article this evening was entitled A Framework for Leaders Facing Difficult Decisions. So uh, why did I choose this article? Well, uh, there's not really a leader in any organization in any country of this world who doesn't confront difficult decisions. And also I'm a big fan of frameworks. Um, So I found this framework on how leaders face difficult decisions, a compelling read. And just to make a few quick comments and quotes before I open it up for your dialogue, um viewing this decision making through the lens of three different domains an ethical lens a moral lens and a role responsibility lens can be very helpful Uh, but this is not necessarily easy stuff you know to quote unsurprisingly these considerations often come into conflict when this happens there are no easy answers but by carefully interrogating these three dimensions leaders can move forward with confidence that the decisions they make reflect the best possible balance amongst their different principles. Learning to recognize and balance these dynamic priorities is key to leading with integrity. Actively investigating your own morals, your own values, and seeking alignment between at least two of the three corners of the morals, ethics, role responsibilities triangle will give you the tools that all leaders face. Uh, I think probably everyone in this room faces tough uh, uh, leadership decisions. And uh, I, I, uh, I took the engagement from this article and uh, I'll, I'll put this in my, in my profile of things I consider as I come to th- those kind of decisions. So I'll open it up to the floor for trustees first, anyone who uh, hopefully read the article uh, and then um, open it up generally to, uh, to our executive team or, or and or any other comments, Trustee Friedman, sir.
3: Yeah, I thought it was a really interesting article, and you know, it's a sign that we're making some progress that an article like this is in the Harvard Business Review, yeah. which is not known for being a, a progressive institution. What yeah. struck me as particularly noteworthy is that back in two thousand fourteen, an apolitical approach was generally seen as favorable for success in business. But those days are over and that uh, moral and ethical and political stances are being demanded of institutions. And of course, you know, our institution is different from a business, a for profit business. But uh, in the same way, we have to put our values out there and be willing to uh, fight for those that we serve which means going beyond just the nuts and bolts of operating the health system. So I, I thought that was very telling and, uh, and encouraging aspect of that article. Thanks for sharing it.
0: Thanks for those comments, Trustee Friedman. I certainly agree. What, you know, The article asserts that these three domains, ethic, ethics, morals, and your role responsibilities are dynamic. right? As we grow and learn, these things can change. And uh, I think the, it, it, it presumes the astute leader will adapt as well. Trustees, any other comments? Then I'll uh, perhaps open it up for our CMO, CEO, uh, COO to, to if they have any additions.
2: Uh, Trustee Fox, hey. <clears throat> I thought also thought it was a very good article, um, and my reaction, my main reaction was, we, I think those of us, those nine of us on the board are, we're all uh, uh, put here. Uh, knowing number one that we have a duty of loyalty to the organization. That's that's the main reason we're here, and I think that's the main thing that we have to be cognizant of as we make difficult decisions. The people that appointed us here, I think, appointed us having uh, looked at our ethical and 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 moral standards, feeling that we would, you know, make decisions in the best interest of the organization, but adhering to uh, uh, fair, wise, uh, principles that we all have. So I think, uh, that puts us in a good position as well, where you get into difficulty, of course, is when what is good for the organization is something that you don't feel that you can, you can do given your own moral compass or ethical compass. Uh, and in that case, if you can't change people's minds, then I guess you have the decision of whether to stay with the organization or not hopefully yes. we won't get to that point yeah great existential stuff to talk about
0: <laughs> trustees
4: I'll, I'll um you know affirm what Trustee friedman and uh fox have said and again kind of reiterate that leadership is never neutral it's uh and data is never objective in that sense who's lived experience and whose perspectives are we centering in that in that decision making and I think that those are the points to be made when we do that where does our mission lie where who's who's uh, you know who, who are the impacted folks and are their perspectives um you know included in in the decision making process or is that removed from there how, how many degrees are, are the folks impacted by a decision removed from
0: the process. Yeah, thank you, Trustee Banerjee. You know this uh, this article um, uh, gave kind of a, a a question pathway to work through, and it gave a gave a, an example that uh, un, uh, unfortunately our our CEO probably had the perspective of in that in the, in this in this uh, construct, the CEO had to consider for the article, not for our organization. Let me repeat: for the article, the CEO in the article had to consider layoffs, right? Where does that occur within role responsibility and ethical responsibility and moral responsibility? It was, so, it was a really interesting kind of walkthrough. And I, I hope we can continue to have these kind of dialogues. Mr. Jackson, sir. Good evening. Thank you, uh, Chair
5: Bouquet. Uh, trustees, this article was phenomenal. And I'm I am living exactly the kind of um, dilemmas that were that were posited. Um, you have all seen my correspondence. I have been um, active in talking about things like the January 6th um, uprising um, in at the Capitol, the fact that we are celebrating Black History Month. I, I, I have written to the organization when the there are significant verdicts that are coming out in some of these contentious events that have been happening across our country. <clears throat> and I will tell you that the preponderance of the feedback that I have received is positive, but it's not all positive. And there are some staff. In fact, one individual told me, you should just be a CEO. You should just do your job and, and leave the politics out. Um, I, I try to draft my correspondence and with you know the support of our PACE team to be apolitical, but to um, err on the side of, of ethical and of positivity, but that's not how it's always received. And so that is a, a daily de- conundrum that I am dealing with. And so I was, I was grateful for this article as I'm chewing on these sorts of issues.
0: Thank you, Mr. Jackson. Any other comments um, from the audience on this before we kind of close out this item? Again, thank you for uh, appeasing me and reading the articles more reading the articles. Uh, so with that we'll close out item A1 and we'll go to item A2 which I'm very happy to go into. So for anyone who was paying attention our roll call included a ninth member today and it included a, a new name that many people or some of you have not heard. Uh, it's my pleasure and honor to introduce our newest and ninth trustee Jet Renee Chapman. Jet Chapman uh, Jet was approved by the Board of Supervisors last week. Remember the position is subject to the approval of the Board of Supervisors. So it's, it's their position and she is freshly sworn in. So she is now an official Alameda Health System trustee. Jet brings a wealth of human resources, labor, and county experience to the table. She has worked at Alameda County's healthcare services agency for the past eight years in their human resources department and has risen to their chief human resources administrator, a position she's held for the last five years. Uh, Prior to that, she had extensive experience as a labor negotiator and representative for SEIU. Uh, It is our hope that Jet's appointment will help strengthen our relationship with the county and further broaden our board's perspective on issues related to HR and labor in specific and in general, all the other stuff that we do. I'm very happy to welcome her. I anticipate that she will be a member of our HR and our audit compliance committees. So let's all give a little bit of a round and uh, jet. I told you I'd put you on the spot for a little bit, if you'll say a few words. Uh,
6: good, e- good evening, everyone, executive leadership team and board of trustees and um, all of the audience and everyone that's on this call. I am very honored and humbled to serve as a board of trustee with Alameda Health Systems. I am a native of Alameda County. I lived in Oakland and Hayward, and now I'm in Hayward, San Leandro, Union City. So I've been all all over the county and um, just really excited, excited, nervous, happy, ready to serve our community and ready to work with all of our leadership teams, our labor organizations and everyone um, you know, to try to do improvements to Alameda Health Systems and just be a partner the best way I can. I appreciate the opportunity that the Board of Supervisors have given me and I look forward to working with all of you and partnering with all of you in the near future. Thanks.
0: Welcome Trustee Chapman. We really look forward to all working with you. Um, that's item A2. Um, I should have listed item A3. This is an executive office report, so I always wanna give space to the Vice President of the Board, Trustee Jensen, and the Secretary of the Board, Trustee esteem uh, Madam Vice President, Madam Secretary-Treasurer, if anything?
7: I have nothing to share. Um, thank you for the article, Mr. Um, board, board President, and I will um, it to my the Board President.
0: Thank you, Vice Madam Vice President. Madam secretary I would love to welcome
8: you, Jet. Thank you for joining our board. We needed a ninth. It is lovely to have you and I'm excited to see what committees you join. Um, And also I am really thrilled to see 86 participants on our meeting tonight. The level of participation is also incredible. And um, I look forward to whenever we may have public comment this evening, because there's many things we'll be discussing that are always bold and invigorating. Thank you, Dr. President.
0: Thank you, Madam. Um, uh, uh, Trustee Blue, I see a hand.
9: Yeah, I want to welcome Jet, too. I've known Jet for many, many years. We were both rank and file uh, leaders within what was then, uh, back in, I don't know, too many years ago. I don't want to let people know how old I am. But <laughs> we were 35. both rank and file. Oh, <laughs> God, I wish. <laughs> But we were both uh, rank and file um, out of local 790 that eventually became 10 to one. So welcome, Jeff. And yeah, join a committee. We can't wait.
0: (laughs) Uh, She is probably gonna be joining your committee, uh, Trustee Blue HR and Trustee Freeman Audit Compliance. Mm -hmm. Um, With that, we'll close out item A, the executive office report, and we'll go right into item B, our CEO report. Uh, Mr. CEO, good evening, sir. The floor is yours. You're on mute. I got to say it. Oh, I tried
5: to get it off quickly. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you very much, uh, Chair Bouquet. And uh, trustees, guests, um, thank you for the opportunity to present. I'm going to share screen. I have a a brief report that I will share with you. So let's uh, take that to the beginning and go to full share mode okay are you able to see my slides it looks like yes great um i'm going to start off with a a patient-centered story Um, this is something that um i do when i am on the weekly chat and i like to share um things that i've i've learned things that i have come across in the system that really I think embody um, the spirit of who we are as AHS. And um, recently I received this particular story and I just, I was so taken by it and I wanted to share it with you this evening. And so please um, bear with me while I just um, talk through what I, I learned recently. A gentleman was, um, staff were contacted because this gentleman was found to be severely visually impaired. His landlord contacted the organization because she was concerned about him and uh, he had cataracts. He was an ophthalmology patient and she felt like his landlord felt like he was not safe. This gentleman lives alone and he had no available friends or family and no one to help him with his post-operative care. And so what is typically a same day procedure and you go home, the sense was that this individual could not go home staff urgently added this gentleman to the schedule at Alameda Hospital, and they helped him get a ride for the surgery. Given his current vision status and the lack of support system, the care team felt that it would be safest to have him Im- admitted overnight following the surgery, again, for what is typically a same-day procedure. This was ultimately approved, and then the details were arranged. When the gentleman came in for surgery, he was walking into walls, and the nurse leading him Um, had to hold his hand because he just couldn't see where he was going. After the surgery, this individual commented that he liked the nurse's scrub top. He immediately could see the flower pattern in her top. When the nurse manager brought him juice and crackers and introduced herself, he looked at her name tag and he asked if her name was Leader. He was able to read that big part (laughs) of her name tag. This was truly a success story. And there were many individuals who collaborated to make this case a success. And I just want to take a moment and name a few. Gina Demento, Dr. Gregory Victorino, Dr. Jonathan Hernandez, Stephanie Olivia, um, Paulette Gary, Lisa Powers, Pat Reynolds, Janet Clayton, and Ronica Shelton. And I a special thanks to Katherine Horner for bringing this story to my attention. And again, trustees, this is something that we do every week on the chat, just as an opportunity to really recognize staff who we believe have gone ab- above and beyond. So happy to to share that with you. Um, I will move now to the operations um, update and starting with sustainability. um, We have recently learned that effective the 1st of March, so in just under a month, our Highland Ambulatory Clinics on K7E2, HCP4, and HCP5 are going to rejoin uh, K6 being a campus-wide federally qualified health center, also known as an FQHC. And I've listed some of the benefits of being an FQHC here. And I would really emphasize the fact that this really, we believe drives health equity. And um, we think that being an FQHC, obviously there are compensation elements to that, but it really comes down to um, being able to provide the best care possible to those that we serve. So we're very excited about this. Um, We will get more details to come on this, but very excited that these areas um, will once again be considered FQHC. I want to move now to patient experience. And um, this is, uh, I'm going to talk about how, what we're doing to try to improve the patient experience. Um, We uh, use something called GIFT, which is one of the tools that, you know, it's an acronym and you can see the elements of GIFT. Um, which there are the four things that we hope everybody will do when encountering a patient. The first being greet the patient, actually acknowledging them, and then introducing yourself with your name, your title, and your department. And then what's the four? Why are you there? What is it that the patient can expect to happen as a result of your visit? And then finally, always ending with thank you. We believe this is a very effective method of initial communication with our patients. <laughs> And it helps us as we seek to understand their needs. I I will just, many people are using GIFT. We're trying to make this our standard work. Um, One of the best added is Dr. Minnie Swift. Again, on our weekly chat, Dr. Swift always presents in the GIFT format and it's very well received by those who participate in the chats. So this is happening and we're rolling this out across the organization. Something else that's underway is building institutional leader knowledge Um, we are requiring all of our leaders to complete our boot camp sessions um, by the 30th of September. And so they have a few months to do this. These sessions are led by the patient experience department with the intent to build a consistent understanding of the patient experience. Um, So these leaders during the sessions will create action plans with performance monitoring, and will integrate these into their daily uh, work, work process. So we believe that Hardwiring these practices, making them part of our standard work, will create um, uh, consistency as well as expectations for the way our staff interact with those that we serve. Turning now to a, a subject that has been somewhat contentious for us recently, but we are optimistic that we're moving towards a positive resolution. You may be aware that Falk, who is the contracted provider for Alameda County, Um, recently had given notice that they were going to initiate what they referred to as a hard offload initiative. And in essence, what it meant was that after one hour, the rigs would leave, they would leave the patients, whether or not they had been warm handed over to a care team member, and not just at our facility, at any emergency room, they leave them on a cot or in a chair and that was somewhat daunting. Um, We know that the ambulance rigs need to be on the streets and certainly we're doing everything in our power. And the majority of the time they are are out within the hour, but there are those times when for reasons beyond control, they cannot offload the patient and get back on the street within the hour. So Falk had initially planned to to activate this on the 1st of February. Um, Working with the hospital council, Alameda Health System um, joined a letter to Falk Um, explaining why we had grave concerns about them moving so rapidly to initiate the hard offload initiative. Um, Our efforts were supported by our labor partners. SEIU was very strong, stepped up, really, I think, made their voices heard, and also our our partners at the Healthcare Services Agency. I had conversations with Colleen Chavla about our concerns around this, and ultimately, Falk um, agreed to forestall this until the 1st of March, Um, And in the interim, there are a number of things that we are working on internally to try to make sure that we can affect safe offloads within that one hour window. And those include at the very bottom of the page, expansion of the hours and staffing for our transfer center so that we can move patients expeditiously across the system, creating capacity. Also the pursuit of our care optimization work, which is a part of our best initiative with a specific focus on ED throughput And finally, uh, Mark Fratsky and Richard Espinoza are spearheading an effort to develop a care, uh, transitional care unit. Um, We believe we can do that perhaps at the H building over at Fairmont, so that patients who no longer need acute care, but they're unable to return to their homes, we can transition them, creating capacity in the acute setting. And so my thanks to Richard and to Mark for their efforts there. We hope to have made significant progress on these by the 1st of March presuming that Falk does proceed with their plan. Moving to the workforce, um, I wanted to just take a moment. This slide, it's CEO rounding, but I I need to be very clear. The CEO is not the only one who's rounding. Um, We really have made this a part of our ethos as a leadership team. And I'm proud to say that our CMO, our COO, our CNO, um, and others are spending time at all of our facilities. And so this photo was actually taken at the Marina um, Clinic by Dr. Tornabene when she was there doing her rounding recently. And I wanna direct your attention to the sign in the upper right corner that says positive energy only. That was a very cool little piece of that. But um, my thanks to Dr. Tornabene for her rounding. You can see the numbers. I was at John George yesterday. Um, Had some really good touring with our CAO and our medical director there, and also got an opportunity to speak to staff. And so what you see there are the numbers of people who have made appointments to see me what you don't see are the incidental, the hallway conversations that are happening and so really just being out and about and connecting with the staff in a meaningful way. Um, You're all aware that we've initiated the walks and so I um, take walks at all of our facilities, um, I walk in San Leandro at the marina, I walk at Alameda Hospital, and I also walk at Lake Meriden. And so our most recent one was on the 29th of January. As you can see from the photo, we had a good turnout. It was beautiful, it was a little cold, but we had a good turnout. Um Fefe brought Ace, and so we had a pet with us. And it was just, it was a great day to be out. Um, I've had a few trustees let me know that it was their intent to come and join us. And I, I strongly encourage you to do so. It's really a nice way to connect with staff in a, a meaningful and a different way um, on these walks. Moving now to COVID-19, um, as of the 7th of February, we have um, given our total staff of just over 5,100 staff, 95% are fully vaccinated with 5% unvaccinated. You've heard those numbers before, it really hasn't changed. That's due in large part to the fact that we have a lot of staff who are on leave of absence. And so we do not expect to get their information, but they will be required to show proof of vaccination or of having a an accepted um, declination before they're able to return to work. Um, the positive number that I'd like to direct you to here is the 77% of our staff who have received boosters that if you recall last month, I believe we were in the, the 50s. So it's jumped dramatically and we fully expect that number to continue to rise. So very happy about that. I'm going to close with a clinician spotlight. I will not play the video, but you will all receive this slide deck and you'll be able to follow this link. Um, we see amazing things happening in our trauma center every day. Um, this was one that was highlighted because this gentleman who was injured was a retired police officer who was shot multiple times. Um, as you can see, there were 22 bullet holes in him. Um, our doctor, Dr. Timothy Browder, who was the head of our trauma program, basically would not let Ursi Joyner say goodbye. Um, It is a very compelling piece and I think it captures nicely um, what the trauma program does here. I would ask you to ignore Dr. Browder's um, UCSF vest, but besides that, it's a perfect piece. Um, And I I will tell you that personally, I think many of you know, um, Captain Joyner is my best friend. And so to have somebody who I love Uh, who received such amazing care, and he's still here today because of the care that he received in our emergency department, you know, it just means the world to me to be a part of that organization. And so I couldn't think of a better way to uh, end my remarks. So I will um, open myself to any questions or comments that you have for me.
0: Thank you, Mr. Jackson, for that report. Uh, Mr. Jackson, can you put us back to full screen? Of course. Of course. Trustees, any questions or comments of our CEO's report? Trustee Blue, I see your hand is still up. Is that from before?
9: Now I have a comment. Um, yes, ma'am. Yeah, I would encourage members of the board, if they can, to you know do these walkthroughs with James and the rest of the senior leadership team. Uh, The workers really do, you know, they don't get to see the board of trustee members and they probably kind of wonder, like, what, what do they do, you know, Um, but I really do encourage it, you, you do get a sense of what's going on at the hospitals, um, and it does uh, send a signal to the employees that the board does take an interest, you know
5: blue you've been fantastic about joining me on the walks and you're right the staff really it resonates with them to have an opportunity mm-hmm. to speak to one of our one of our trustees so thank you for that
0: trustees any other comments trustee yeah. sorry my video is running slow so I uh, trustees you can just uh, speak up I can't see everybody for a second go
8: there. ahead Jen I just wanted to say the the folk um announcement is incredibly worrying to me. And I'm happy to know that the change at Fairmont is a possibility because that sounds like it's something that's going to benefit the community in the long run, regardless of what happens with Falk. But um, that is a a drastic move by the the EMS provider. And um, it makes me concerned about, you know, is this happening with other providers? You know, is this going to be a trend what's happening in other communities are we seeing other hospitals have impacts in this way because what Falk is experiencing is sadly not unique it's happening in other areas and other hospitals as well
5: your your point is very well taken um certainly Falk is the provider for Alameda County and so all of the hospitals in this county really banded together to prepare the letter that that went out but to your point other counties are experiencing very similar Types of issues, and so we are not unique, and we are certainly open to lifting and dropping. Um, we will take the best initiatives that we see to try to implement them at our facilities to make sure that we are doing everything in our power to get those rigs back on the street.
0: A, a tremendous health care and quality exposure. So uh, we, we we look forward to a, a follow up report, Mr. Jackson, from you, and uh, Mr. Fasson. I, I Trustee,
3: had a quick comment. Yeah, I thought that was an excellent report. Uh hit a lot of highlights and a lot of very important points. And I'm so glad that you a- ended with the acknowledgement of Dr. Browder and the team that saved Mr. Jonah's life. And I don't normally watch that TV news. Uh, and I just happened to be flicking through the dials. And I said, wait a minute, that's us. And it was really <laughs> inspirational and made me very proud to be a small part of the team that has such a tremendous positive impact on people's lives and especially somebody so dear, near and dear to the community. So thanks for sharing that.
0: Absolutely, thank you, Trustee Friedman. Great comments, Trustee Friedman. Every single day our trauma service, what they do. Mm-hmm. Trustees, any other comments? Trustee Banerjee. Yeah,
4: again, uh, thank you. Uh, James for that report really heartening to hear of the many ways in which our staff you know rise and meet and you know show dignity and respect for our patients i was uh, very heartened by the um, uh, by the incidents at the ophthalmology uh, patient that you said and i was wondering that when you have this exceptional team that went over and beyond how are you kind of disseminating this across so that this kind of becomes the norm for folks to go uh, to be doing that? And also, with this, with the patient who's now post surgery, are there ways in which, like, we have ambassadors and navigators, our advocates who will be continuing to um, support? Uh, uh, this person in some way or the other so it wasn't a, a, you know one and done but some a, a warm check in from time to time that, that that happens once they are in our care
5: so there are the we have our our social services team the, the care management team and they do as a part of their work do post surgical follow ups to make sure that the patients are are faring well and to make sure that any of their needs are met if there are any Uh, DME durable medical equipment needs to facilitate a a successful recovery. Um, In terms of what we're doing to recognize the staff, certainly I I do what I can in the way of the the weekly chats to acknowledge them. Um, We are also going to be um, developing a grateful families program. So I've talked to Preston Walton about working with people like this gentleman to give them an opportunity to um, express their appreciation for the care teams that have done such great work for them. And so I'm really excited about what our foundation can do to really leverage that. And and not just in a monetarily way, but just to really give people a venue by which they can express the appreciation for those who've given them such phenomenal care. So so more to come on that. Thank you, yeah, and uh,
4: I think one thing that I was saying was uh, the, the continuous improvement transformation work. So like what, when you have a bright spot like this, like how are folks in other facilities mm. learning from it? How are we internalizing it in our DNA so that this becomes kind of the norm of yes. uh, of how we care for our uh, residents and our
10: patients.
5: We, we need to do a better job of that. I don't know that we have a formalized way of um, inculcating that sort of above and beyond spirit besides just acknowledging them and giving them attaboys, but we can do more. So I appreciate the suggestion and I will work with the team to try to find a way to uplift and then really um, drive this as a part of, this is our DNA, this is how we do our business.
0: Thank you, Trustee Banerjee. Agreed, Mr. Jackson, uh, the opportunity is to coalesce all these bright spots, right? Yes. Yes, sir. Any other trustee comments for our CEO? I have one uh, suggestion, Mr. CEO, uh, on the follow-up for the the Falk item, we can entitle that agenda item, What the Falk? And present that at the next meeting, okay? (laughs) Nice. (laughs) And
5: I I would give you a rim shot right now, but that might not be appropriate, but no, it was there. (laughs) Got it.
0: (laughs) With that, we will close out item B, and boy, we're slightly ahead of time by five minutes. We'll go to, into one of our standard agenda items: the medical staff reports. This is where we hear from our medical staff leaders. This evening, we will have Dr. Irina Williams, who's the chief of the medical staff for our core uh, hospitals, which include Al- uh, Saint, uh, Highland and San Leandro, and we have Dr. Nikki Joshi, who is going to be uh, who's our chief, new chief of staff for Alameda Hospital, and Dr. Idris Avzali, who leads our Uh, St. Leandro Hospital Leadership Team. So, um, dealer's choice, let's, Dr. Joshi, good evening. Why don't you go first?
11: Thank you, everyone. Good evening. Thank you for allowing me to speak. Um, I'd like to say that I really enjoy the presentation by Mr. Jackson, and there's some things that he mentioned that I'd also like to mention in my report. Um, uh, But as you can see in my report, um, I'm happy to answer any questions that you may have about any of those components. Uh, But specifically, I wanted to do a little bit of a deep dive. So patient experience, which was mentioned by Mr. Jackson. So Alameda Hospital has had a patient experience council that started around May of 2020 in terms of the groundwork, and we officially launched later in that year. Um, We've had a small council. We've certainly had hiccups along the way. But all the work that we have done has been to improve the patient experience of those who come to Alameda Hospital. And so we are glad to be able to do our small part to contribute to the greater mission of AHS. Uh, Our council has focused upon the experience of those patients who present to the emergency department. But of course, issues arise that do impact uh, hospital-wide. Another thing I'd like to address is COVID still impacting our system, uh, still particularly impacting our staffing. I'm actually really uh, interested in hearing about this transitional unit that I think will significantly help our patients at Alameda Hospital in terms of throughput. Uh, This issue of throughput has hit us like a brick wall. We've been unable to get past it. Our patients have been unable to be moved. This has made it so patients are boarding in the inpatient unit, are boarding in the emergency department and has led to challenges with EMS. So thank you, Mr. Jackson also for highlighting the really important critical work that the administration did on behalf of the emergency departments with talking with, about the ambulance hard offload times. That, that would have been really, really disastrous for us. Uh, that being said, this has only been delayed until March 1st. And so I think we still have a lot of work to do to find ways to address our problems because of course, March 1st is coming up very soon. Uh, We continue to have challenges with our EMS partners and I look forward to working with administration and with EMS to resolve them. There have been additional components of working with EMS that we will need to address as a group. And one of those includes um, our ability to do 911 transfers for patients outside, for patients that are at Alameda Emergency Department who need to leave for higher level of care. This includes patients that are suffering from a STEMI. This also includes patients who have trauma. Uh, why would these patients come to Alameda Hospital? Um, we're not a trauma center. We're not a STEMI center. Well, often patients self present because they come to the nearest hospital. So we, essentially need to work with EMS. They are our partners. Um, They're an important part of our system. So I'm really looking forward to administration helping us with that. Um, Let's see, Uh, I mentioned this previously, but it's still important to repeat blood bank shortages. Dr. Valerie Ng has made a lot of noise about this in recent times. The situation was quite dire. A few weeks ago, it's slightly better but we still need to replenish our blood bank supplies. So I know there are plans in the works for having a blood bank drive uh, that will be held by AHS. And I am looking forward to hearing more about it because I want to make sure that as a system we're participating, that we're getting word out to our community partners to participate. When you go to the Red Cross, you can register for an account. Uh, And it's interesting because you can actually see where your blood goes. A friend of mine does this, he donates regularly and he's actually able to see where his blood goes, which hospital Once um, his blood crossed state line. So I think it's important to, to know that the blood we donate will be used for our patients. Mm-hmm. Another point that's in my report are, is uh, access to surgical subspecialists um, and medical subspecialists. So this issue also I've had in my report for many months I know that Dr. Pune before me had this on her report as well. It's a complicated issue, and there's a lot of parts. What e-consults refers to is our ability, the emergency department and inpatient doctors, to be able to make outpatient appointments for our patients, ability to be have them be seen by a GI doctor in the clinic ability for them to be seen by neurology in the clinic. So Dr. Irina Williams has taken on this work group. A lot of progress has been made, but we still have ways to go in order to make this process more streamlined. So I look forward to working with her on that. Uh, radiology, uh, we are having issues with VRAD. I know that Dr. Bennett is working on this issue. So I'm glad that she's taking this on. VRAD is an important part of giving us access to 24-hour radiology, which we definitely need. Uh, And then the last thing is surgical subspecialists. And um, I will be making a comment later on uh, with the agenda items that are upcoming, so I can expand more upon that later on. But just know that Alameda Hospital, we don't have access to all of the surgical subspecialists that are available to us at AHS. And there's a myriad of reasons for why that is, which we'll get into later on but know that we need these resources for our patients here. And that's the conclusion of my report. Happy to answer any questions.
0: Thank you for that report, Dr. Joshi. I'm looking for hands, trustees. I see Trustee Jensen's hand, Trustee Jensen. You're on mute. Thank
7: you. Um, I just wanted to thank um, Dr. Joshi and point out that there is actually a blood drive at Alameda Hospital on March 4th. So uh, there may be still
12: available so uh, go to
0: bedcloth.org, sign up. Any other questions or comments for Dr. Joshi? Thank you for that forthright report, Dr. Joshi. Next, let's go with Dr. Afzali and then we'll do with, oh, then we'll end with Dr. Williams. Good evening, Dr. Afzali.
13: Uh, good evening, all. Uh, thank you for having me. Um, San Leandro Leadership Committee, uh, about just over a week ago, uh, last Tuesday, Uh, For February, one of our biggest uh, items for discussion was, uh, uh, as I had mentioned previous month, was uh, sort of changes coming up to the uh, SLH leadership committee. Um, I find it as a a critical committee uh, for the medical staff, uh, both in terms of identity and representation. Uh, However, we need to uh, do some soul searching and identify where we fit in within the organization. Uh, There was no concrete decisions made uh, uh, one way or the other, so there's more discussion to follow, um, whatever we decide, I feel we need to open it up to the staff and and make sure we get some insight from uh, staff on on their feelings and on their stance uh, before we proceed. So it might be a slower process than originally uh, anticipated. so more to, more to come on that next month and the month following, uh, hopefully. Um, Dr. Joshi mentioned staffing. Uh, it's uh, it's a critical issue at San Leandro. Uh, for the third time this year, we had the emergency department staff with four RNs. Uh, now, if we're talking about volumes of uh, 90, hundred plus patients per day, uh, that's uh, an impossible task for our nurses to, uh, uh, to uh, step up to. It's just unsafe at times. Uh, and it affects uh, every venue of the hospital. The staffing shortages affects every venue at the hospital. Uh, we have delays on the, on the inpatient side, uh, short staffing and bed closures on the inpatient side, which results in boarding in the ED, which results in backup of EMS, which results in delays in uh, patients being treated and even patients leaving without being seen uh, or uh, receiving treatment. Uh, I realize it's a system-wide issue and actually statewide issue, probably, uh, but uh, my interests are in San Leandro and it's affected us uh, in, in, in critical ways, in ways I had not experienced in my 10 years at, at San Leandro, uh, so I'm hoping for some relief on that end uh, in the coming months. Um, another item I wanted to mention uh, was uh, that I'm going to be delaying my reports by one month. Uh, because uh, the San Leandro Leadership Committee meets uh, uh, a week prior to this meeting uh, doesn't allow for a whole lot of time for us to get organized and have a have a good report for you. So uh, I'm going to sort of offset my reports by one month to allow us to have uh, a more, more organized approach for you. Um, uh, and therefore, uh, there there are some items with regards to the ED arrival triage process that I hope to give you next month. Um, uh, good positive progress. So hold off on on the good news uh, for you. Uh, and uh, um, I'm uh, you know just to say I'm really looking forward to it. This is one of the best and biggest changes we've made in a long time, and I think it's probably going to be one of the most impactful changes that we've made. Um, but I'll hold there uh, so we can anticipate my report next month. Any questions for me?
0: Dr. Afzali, thanks for your report. Trustees, I'll open up to any questions for Dr. Uh, Afzali. Dr. Afzali, I have a comment uh, for you. So um, yes, indeed, nursing shortages are not only a local, a state and national issue. Uh, I'll just give you reference uh, to the landscape analysis on the question. Uh, At the last finance committee, I believe, uh, and it's addended here in the written reports from our chief nursing officer, as well as our chief operating officer, sort of the state of of our nursing staff. So that's actually at the end of this agenda packet. It's actually a nicely written report. It's actually as a written submission for material. I ask everyone in the audience to consider that as a reference, and I, I call it a landscape analysis about where we're going. It's a nicely written report. Uh, and and, and I, I, it feels like an honest report in that it shows where we are deeply vulnerable and, then, and there are some action plans. So again, I'll allow everyone to reference that document, which is included at the end of this public document uh, in the page uh, 331. So if uh, you got that deep into our packet. Thank you for your comments, uh, Dr. Vasali. Thank you. I'm scanning the trustees for any questions, not seeing any. That will take us to Dr. Williams. Good evening, Dr. Williams.
14: Good evening. Thank you for giving me an opportunity to present tonight. Um, I'm going to jump to my report for AHS core medical staff. Um, And I sort of wanted to um, quickly comment on um, Dr. Avzali's statement regarding the San Leandro Leadership Committee. We are on the medical staff side uh, and on behalf of MEC, we're happy to support the efforts of sort of um, potentially reshaping and um, redesigning the vision for this committee. So we're looking forward to working with Dr. Abzali and San Leandro hospital providers on this. Um, uh, In terms of the key concerns for our AHS medical staff, well, COVID and staffing shortages remains on our list since we're still living through through this. Uh, There's still challenges uh, with the provider staffing as well as support staffing for clinics and the inpatient units. Um, Emergency department has been consistently sort of in in red, (laughs) in the red zone. So it's been pretty challenging for our ED colleagues To manage the patient volume and the throughput, so that still remains um, a big concern for um, our group. Um, The next item on uh, on the the key concerns that I listed is the Alameda Health System governance structure. I think this one is sort of going to stay there for a little bit longer. I know we're in the final stages of figuring out some of the questions that providers have about the structure. uh, And we are appreciative of the transparency of the communication that has been um, happening so far, but uh, we still have it under our concerns until um, we sort of have the resolution. Um, And another concern that I have here is uh, physician burnout. Uh, We are wrapping up year two of the pandemic. And of course, uh, providers are tired. uh, I don't think anyone expected to be in this for two years straight, and finishing up the second year with such a uh, intense surge. So um, I'm um, I don't believe we have sufficient support and resources for our providers to help them get through this um, uh, pandemic in terms of. Um, Allowing them to take a break, allowing them to sort of take care of their mental and physical health. So I think we're falling short um, on this part here. Um, so any support and help with um, helping our providers get through this and uh, maintain their wellness and well being will be appreciated. Um, I think that concludes my report. Um, I'm open to any questions.
0: Thank you, Dr. Williams. Trustees' questions for Dr. Williams. Dr. Williams, I have a question. If you can help this board with some, uh, some direction of specificity, how do we help uh, our, our staff, uh, physicians, nurses, general staff, how do we help people navigate? Can you, can you if you could put some specific things down on paper, uh, uh, and I know you've had this discussion in the MEC. Can you talk about some ideas generation, idea generation, which which we could maybe use as a little springboard right here?
14: Um, I, I think uh, what I can do, I think we can try to brainstorm in the upcoming MEC and I can come back to the board with some ideas that mm-hmm. our group may have. Um, I think in general, um, in terms of the existing structures that we have for the provider wellness and well-being committee, those are, Uh, pretty thin and borderline non-functional now with those same providers being very busy clinically. Um, So having some opportunities for... um, for taking a break, for recharging, for reaching out, for help, Hmm. for example, even having maybe more behavioral health support for our physicians. Uh, I think these are some of the ideas that I can think of sort of from top of my head, but I would love to brainstorm with our physician leaders and uh, come up with probably a better, more specific plan that I can share with the board.
0: It's my impression that the board would be appreciative of like, broad recommendations and it's my also impression that these recommendations would probably be applicable across the system uh, not exclusive to doctors as well but but uh, we look forward to your to to, to that kind of uh, suggestion slash recommendation trustee blue I see a hand up
9: yeah thank you dr Williams for that um, report and uh, I will be giving a report on the HR committee it doesn't address everything but we do acknowledge that we really have to take care of our folks, right? It's been a rough two years, and we just have to take care of each other. So, anything that your group uh, can come up with when you brainstorm, uh, mm-hmm. the HR committee would love to hear from it.
14: Thank you. Thank you. I will definitely take it as a follow up item and I will get back to the board.
0: Thank Good. you. I, I will support uh, my Madam HR Trustee uh, Chair. Uh, and say good stuff happens in that HR committee under Trustee Blue and uh, CHRO Jones. And it sure would be nice if uh, we had more than eight people in the room on those meetings to hear about the good, good work was just being done. So opportunity for us to kind of see what the system is doing is sort of, I guess, my opinion on this. And there's still a ton of work to do. Um, Dr. Williams, one comment, uh, to, to uh, uh, very appropriately, you, you raised the concern of our governance structure. I can say that from the trustee level, this is a parallel concern that we have as well. And we'll remember that this is sort of, we are, we, we are in service to, to the county and the Board of Supervisors. So our system does not get to dictate the governance structure, we get to advise on it. And I'll let you know that the Board of Supervisors have uh, now convened a set of meetings which have not launched yet. Uh, it's gonna be a pretty tight group. And I think most of the trustees know this hopefully through communications. Uh, Mr. Jackson and I will be the the two representatives on this. Mr. Jackson, remind me 10, people, 10, 10 person group. Does that sound right, Mr. Jackson? Yes, it does. Okay, so it'll be a pretty tight group. And please let you, uh, please know that we will be reporting back to you, to everyone on 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 on, uh, on the projections and and the direction of that of those meetings. So governance is certainly on on, on everyone's mind. Thank you. Um, Any other comments or questions of Dr. Williams? Dr. Williams, Dr. Vazali, Dr. Joshi, thank you for, uh, for speaking this evening and uh, being forthright with your concerns. Uh, it helps us to see things. So with that, uh, we will close out item C. And we will go to item D. And uh, these are the committee and trustee reports. Um, we are uh, still slightly ahead of time. We're doing a decent job. Um, there are three committee reports here. Before we go on, question, Madam Clerk, may I ask you a question? Sure. Um, can we, uh, we had previously had a standing roster to this report, which includes uh, the committees and breakdown by trustees. Can we add that back for next month?
1: Absolutely. My apologies for forgetting it.
0: No, Not, not a big deal. Not, no, no harm, no foul. So um, we will report back to that. So um, there are three uh, brief committee reports here. We'll do the HR committee uh, led by uh, Chair Blue, QPSC, which I chair, and then the finance committee report by Chair Fox. Uh, uh, Trustee Blue.
9: Hope I can do this report quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, Just to remind folks, the HR committee only meets quarterly. And uh, Lorna and I have had discussions on whether or not we need to meet more frequently, especially with all the issues that are coming up. So quickly on the HR dashboard, um, the onboarding for new staff is getting better. Right, We're trying to get to 19 days. I think we're at 23 or so days where we're able to onboard folks. We've also continued to conduct uh, exit interviews. It's not the kind of response I need. 41% of the people who have left us um, have only responded to the exit uh, interviews, but work life balance and shift uh, schedules is number one on the list. Relocation and retirement are number two, number three. And buried in that is also compensation because we're not as competitive as we need to be within the private sector. So we continue to lose staff on that. Um, so that's on the dashboard. And then in terms of organizational learning and effectiveness, uh, we have a professional development uh, program where we would like to you know institute career co- coaching. And Lauren, if you're here, you know, uh, chime in. But career coaching, we have growth space as a vendor, the contract with them is in development, but they're gonna tailor a program uh, to the needs of uh, Alameda Health Service. There's also discussion about tuition reimbursement. There's reimbursement available for some folks, but not for everybody. So we have to have further discussion on that because we do have staff that wanna move up, right? Um, in terms of getting their degrees and whatnot. Uh, The mentor mentee program, uh, we are gonna start a pilot. There's 15 participants so far. We hope to start that in February and we hope to increase it to uh, 50 participants in the future. Uh, We have, uh, the pilot will start in March actually on that. Uh, In terms of cultural improvement, uh, within the system. Uh, we have a process now for affinity groups um, to address uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. And there was a whole process for folks to apply to have an affinity group. So far, two groups have come forward and submitted their papers. There is going to be some resources for these committees so that they can do their work. And one of them is <coughs> Latinx, and I think the other one is LGBTQ, is that correct, Lorna? Did I get that right?
15: No, actually it's the um, African-American
9: caregiver group. Okay, but LGBTQ, there was some interest, right? In forming that, okay, great. Uh, In terms of uh, that's the affinity groups, and then also the emotional intelligence work that we're doing um, because it's been a tough two years. Right for for staff. And so there's definitely impact. So we hired a a person, D.B. Bedford, um, who was born and raised in Oakland, is an ex-felon and is now a parole officer. He's had experience working with large healthcare systems, including unionized workers. Uh, Tuition reimbursement, I mentioned that already. And I think that's it. I think I got everything. Is there anything else, Lorna? All right.
0: Well done. And welcome,
9: Heather. Jet. If you're going to join us, that'll be great.
0: Trustees, any questions of our HR chair? Excellent. So, our next item would be the QPSC committee report from 12622. In brief, uh, we did the regular work of the committee, which is to uh, approve credentialing policies and procedures. Hear quality reports and then directly interact with our med staff leaders. Uh, we reviewed the True North metric dashboard. Unfortunately, seven of our ten metrics uh, were not uh, didn't perform to to kind of uh, projection. Uh, three of the ten did, but it was very it was very close. But uh, they weren't at projection. So we're still being very mindful of that. We have a high quality quality team, and uh, I know they work very very hard. Um, One thing which is really important uh, is coming up is that the Joint Commission was projected to come in uh, November, December to Alameda Hospital. Remember, we're still in that window Uh, uh, with the COVID surge, uh, the Omicron surge that's sort of been put off uh, and uh, I know that they will be coming soon. So from a compliance and regulatory and quality point of view, this is one of the big deals for our organization anytime the Joint Commission comes. So uh, that's sort of one of our main things. The dashboard is available for you to review, as always. The article uh, we reviewed, we always review an article, was actually submitted by Trustee Friedman to me uh, earlier this year. Uh, It came out of the Atlantic, and it's called "Hospitals Are in Serious Trouble." It's actually it's actually quite a good read, and it is not uh, it is not like oh the sky is falling. It was it was. It was, it was, in my opinion, sort of a thoughtful analysis and walkthrough, and I want to give you a few quotes. This is not a dramatic Armageddon. It happens inch by inch. The danger of COVID to individual Americans has gone far past the risk that one infection might pose because the coronavirus has now plunged the entire health system into a state of chronic decay. So that that's sort of the essence of the article is that, that the thing the positions that we were in two years ago where the sky is immediately falling has changed, and, and we are now seeing this in our HR committee and when we, as we talk about our people about burnout and the like. So I think these are I think this is a, a, a an area of primary interest for every health system in this country, and then we just have to we have to think outside the box as to how we can address uh, address these issues. After that article we heard uh, uh, a report on uh, the system response to COVID-19. This was led by CMO Tornabene, COVID treatment lead Dr. Moazid, Chief Nursing Officer Lofton, and Chief Administrative Officer Espinoza. It was actually a very thoughtful and detailed review. Those records are available for, for the public to review. It shows the prodigious work which has, has, has occurred over this to, to time uh, over this time timescape of two years. It's been a lot of work and uh, it helps give us sort of a landscape under understanding. In my opinion, the marquee presentation for the evening was the quality improvement project. Uh, for those of you who don't attend QPSC every month, we hear a quality improvement project selected by our chief medical officer, Dr. Tornabene, and this for this month, she selected the IT Service Center and First Call Resolution. Now, I want to say, at face value, that looks like a really, really boring report. Um, but I will tell you that, it, in my opinion, this was an extremely nice case study on management, team performance, a commitment to excellence, and I would dare say even leadership by Tish Murray, uh, who, who helps lead that. Um, so that was sort of uh, that was our quality uh, and professional services committee meeting for that uh, for that evening. Any comments or questions for the quality report? I guess my additional comment is this is how we start to coalesce those areas of brightness in the system by just keep mentioning it because for the quality members who were in the room that evening, it was again it sounds at face value like it might be something boring, but uh, watching how the IT has has responded to the challenges put before them actually was quite impressive. So with that, I'll close out item D2 and uh, give it to uh, Chair Fox for his report
2: on the Finance Committee from 2-2. Thank you. Finance Committee met a week ago tonight. And first off, we received a very favorable financial update from CFO Kim Miranda. Um, Although volume is generally behind budget uh, year to date, we're halfway through the fiscal year now, Uh, it is ahead of last year's volume and we have favorable profit variances primarily due to higher than budgeted collection rates and those stem in large part from the best improvement efforts that have been implemented and also because of the large government payments we've received from the american rescue plan that were not budgeted Uh, the bottom line from this is that year to date december uh, we have a net income of fifty-six million dollars versus thirteen million budget, and a thirty-three million dollar loss last year at this time. And our uh, operating cash flow or EBITDA is sixty million dollars compared to a nineteen million dollar budget and a twenty-six million dollar loss year-to-date last year. Um, so, for all on the call. Um, uh, just because we are a not for profit government organization, does that mean that we're not allowed to make money? <laughs> and the answer to that is no. Not for profit doesn't mean that we're expected to lose money or obligated to lose money. What it means is there are no private stockholders who take the profits out of the organization. And that's because there is no stock. Okay. Uh, nobody <laughs> on the board and nobody in administration owns stock in AHS. There is no stock. If we were to wrap up our business, all of our net profits, if there are any, belong to the community. Uh, in fact, we need to generate profits and favorable cash flow because healthcare is a very capital intense industry. We have a tremendous appetite at AHS for buildings and facilities, equipment, IT systems, uh, and we need to offset prior losses. And we have over $200 million of accumulated losses. From prior years, and we owe some money back to the county as well, and to some of our uh, government supplemental programs. So, just that—it's uh, great to hear that we've made some money year to date, and we're ahead of budget and ahead of last year. But um, we need that cash when it when it finally comes in. But I think kudos to the finance department for doing a terrific job on collecting. Collecting healthcare accounts receivable is not easy and when you can get your days down to 60 or 59 and you get your cash up, uh, you're doing a real good job. So kudos to the whole group. Following that report, we went on to have a report from the new our new uh, chief nursing officer, uh, Ms. Roe Lofton. She's been with us for two months and she commented that uh, she felt the staff are excited about the new leadership but also uh, And excited about their work and their mission, but they have a lot of anxiety and burnout, just like we've been hearing about the physicians, and and some have a lack of engagement. And uh, Ms. Lofton felt that we need to develop an identity for nursing, and we need to move from firefighting to standard work practices. Um, So she intends to focus on service lines and engagement and shared governance for nursing and improving the patient experience. So uh, that was a, a very enlightening report. And you know, all of us know that nursing is a vitally important and large part of our organization. So it was good to hear that. We then had a, a action, item, uh, action items on our uh, contracts that were uh, up for review by the, by the Finance Committee. Uh, Dr. Benny talked about the Alameda Inpatient Medical Group two-year renewal. Uh, uh, some uh, hours were added to that contract for medical direction. Um, the rates are, were adjusted to be in line with other hospitalists at AHS, and the budget is a not to exceed. Um, the committee then went on to uh, recommend approval of that contract to the full board. Also on the agenda was the uh, East Bay Medical Network, East Bay Medical Group Professional Services Agreement, um and we'll be talking about that a little bit later in the agenda and that is my report mr chair thank you mr chair
0: trustees any questions or comments for our finance chair mr fox um uh this isn't to mr fox or uh, it's sort of general generally speaking and actually it's a in celebration and kudos to our chief financial officer uh kim miranda i mean uh During my time on the board, I haven't seen a performance like this um, uh, financially in in a while and Kim, uh, Ms. Miranda, you have the perspective on us. So a couple of take-home points for our public. Number one, uh, at the end of Q2 for this fiscal year, we rounded the corner on Q2. We're coming into the top of Q3 with a net patient service, uh, sorry, with an earnings before interest depreciation and amortization of around $41 million. Uh, Ms. Miranda, I don't recall being in this position for quite some time, and the second comment is uh, the monthly performance on the net patient service revenue had its head above uh, 20%, which uh, we've been in the uh, mid-teens, 16 to 18%. So for our public, that's that's we're getting about 16 to 18 cents on every dollar charged is the simple version of that, and, and to take that to 20, 20 and a half cents under uh, Ms. Miranda's uh, direction and revenue cycle and the like, and with Mr. Frasky and Mr. Jackson, it sounds like just an extra cent or two isn't a big deal, but boy, is it a big deal. So um, uh, I'm almost afraid to, to be happy about the report, given our history, but uh, coming rounding into Q3, this is as good a news as we've had in quite some time, Ms. Miranda. Can you comment?
16: Yeah, uh, sure. As Trustee Fox said, we did um, we did receive the American Rescue Funds of seventeen point one million that was not budgeted. That's a big chunk of it. And you talked about the net patient service revenue. Yes, we're about thirty three million over where we thought we would be year to date. So those two items are the key drivers. Mm-hmm. With the funds, we were able to pay the FY twelve recruitment. Uh, we paid 21 million in January. So we were able the first that year. So great progress on those looming deficits.
0: Okay. Again, thank you to you and your team and to and to Chair Fox for helping uh, in his first month uh, leading that. And thank you to Chair Esteen who led the finance committee for uh, 13 months. So with that, I think we'll close out our committee reports. I um, apologize. Chair Bouquet, oh, it's- uh, oh, yeah, oh, sorry, I apologize, Mr. Jackson, I didn't see the hand. It's okay. Um,
5: I'm actually going to ask if um, Roe can take a moment and augment some of the comments that Trustee Fox made in regards to her report, because I think that she's got some things to share in regards to what's happening with nursing and how, um, as I was asked earlier, what are we doing to uplift our staff and, and encourage them? I think that there's something that Roe can share as well. So please, um, Ro Lofton.
0: Our chief nursing Thank officer, you, Roloften, Dr.
15: Rolofton. Thank you. Um, just briefly, I just wanted to mention that we are um, planning to reinstitute the Daisy Award uh, for to recognize nursing excellence. So when we have those wonderful stories like Mr. Jackson shared with the committee tonight, we'll be able to recognize the, um, the nurses that contributed to the care of that patient. With a um, Daisy Award, and that's a public recognition. Um, there are a few things that they get with that, including a certificate. They get a statue. It's very meaningful, and it's something that's actually voted on um, by their peers. So their peers can nominate them, physicians can nominate them, um, leadership can. But it really highlights the extraordinary work that the nurses are doing, um, and it and, and they're given you know a certificate, um, flowers, really making a big um, a big deal out of it and really um, focusing on the great work that they've done. So I just wanted to uh, comment that we are looking at recognition and not just for nurses, but for all of the caregivers.
0: Thank you, Ms. Lofton, Dr. Lofton. Any comments or questions in addition to that? All right, team with that, we will close out item D We'll go into item E, which is the consent agenda. Uh, Trustees, there are six items on the consent agenda before you, minutes, policies and procedures uh, for AHS and the medical staff, educational competencies, the AIM contract, and the teleconference uh, resolution, which we are required to do every 30 days pursuant to Assembly Bill 361. There are six items there. Before entertaining a motion to approve the entirety of the consent agenda, are there any items that need to be removed for discussion? Madam Jensen.
7: Um, thank you, Dr. Chair. I actually wanna comment on one item and I want to ask that the um, contract approval for AIM be um, be pulled because I have a question of Dr. Turnabini.
0: So we will, uh, so given that, we will pull item E-5 for discussion. So may I entertain a motion to approve items E-1, two, 3, four and six?
7: Um, I'll make comment. a motion to approve, and I also wanted to ask if I could comment after the after the motion and second, if I could just make a comment about one of the items.
0: So absolutely. Who made the motion?
7: I did, along with someone else.
0: <laughs> Actually, I wanted to make a comment. Uh, so does it, should I pull the item, uh, Trustee Esteem?
8: I don't. That's a good question. Uh, sure. Okay, I would like
0: item?
8: to, I'd like to pull the item about uh, meeting remotely for discussion.
0: So we will pull item E5, the AIM contract, and item E6. So... Um, uh,
3: uh, I'll redo the motion for yes, sir. E1,
0: 2, 3, and 4. Yeah, I'll yes, will second. Sir. Got it. We have a second for items E1 through E4. Madam, Madam Clerk, roll call.
1: Yes, uh, Trustee Banerjee. I. Trustee Bouquet.
0: Aye.
1: Trustee Blue. Aye. Trustee Chapman. Aye. Trustee Esteen. Aye. Trustee Fox.
5: Aye.
1: Trustee Friedman. Aye. Trustee Jensen. Aye. Trustee Splendoria. Aye. The motion
0: passes. Wow, nine trustees. That's cool. Um, let's go to uh, uh, can uh, I, uh, I wanted to,
7: to comment actually on go for it. one of the items. Thank Go you. For um, yeah, I just want to comment and, and um, to the board uh, and just point out that the, the competencies, the staff professional competencies, it's really worth reading. It's quite long, but there's a lot of information there, especially um, things that we often discuss and um, there's, it, it, there's some uh, legal, uh, what I, what I wanted to point out is especially the issues that are in there. There's a lot of um, good information about things like EMTALA, This the, the Dark laws and I kick back statutes about medication um, and these aren't these aren't the policies but these are just what staff and um, physician staff everyone in a health system should be aware of so I just would urge everyone to spend a little time on it I found it very very good and interesting and I also appreciated I learned um, what all the codes are for that I often I say wait what's a code code purple or what's a code a code red and a half so now I know what these things are having looked at that chart so thank you very
0: much. Trustee Genton. I think that's a great comment uh, obviously as a doctor I had to go through them as well and boy there's something to be learned from all of us who take these. M- Madam Clerk may may I have a request that you'll reach out to our medical staff to actually get a separate so it's not buried in this agenda item so this can be sort of an informational item in a separate email to the trustees. And then we'll put it in our, in our, if you will, resource and learning library, the provider educational competencies as a resource. Absolutely. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Trustee Jensen, back to you on item E5, the AIM contract.
7: Um, thank you, Dr. Chair. I wanted to ask doctor turner Benny I, 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 of course, I'm, I'm AIM, um, just like EBMG and all our, our physician providers, a, a great group of doctors, but, and I um, certainly support this, this um, contract uh, and I'll move approval, but I wanted to know what will the medical director role, how will that improve services and will that add to um, some of the concerns that have been raised by Dr. Joshi and prior to Dr. Joshi by Dr. Piyun at Alameda Hospital?
17: Yeah, Trustee Jensen, that's a great question. So in current state with Alameda Inpatient Medical, we've never had a hospitalist lead. For that service, we are fortunate to have that leader at Highland and Dr. Brandon Besch and at San Leandro as Dr. Yusuf Yusuf. And so, um, and that leader really leads the hospitalist service for, for those hospitals. And so we haven't had a, a part of our AIM contract, that leadership role. So I think that the addition of having that medical director of hospitalist services would be a key physician role, to partner with Dr. Joshi, both in her role as chief of staff, but also the medical director of the ED, to help with all items of hospital throughput and also escalating concerns related to specialty care. Great. Right. Right. And I see Dr. Joshi hopefully yes.
0: can add to that too. Thank Dr. you, Dr. Joshi. Dr. Dr. Joshi, Joshi, your comments on this item?
11: I completely support what Dr. Tornabane has said. Um, up until now, my AIM colleagues, who are a fantastic group of physicians, um, have been operating without uh, a leader. And another way to say it is that they've been operating without a point person. So information flow, um, two-way dialogue has been really challenging. And especially during the pandemic, the two years when we've had to make rapid decisions, it's been hard because of those challenges. So I really appreciate that the um, contract discussions have addressed this and I'm looking forward to working with whomever is in that role.
0: Trustee Jensen, uh, have your concerns and questions been addressed?
7: Absolutely, thank you both Dr. Benny and Dr. Joshi.
0: G- Trustee Genton, could I ask for a motion for you on item ECHO-5, e- the AIM contract?
7: I will um, move approval of item E-5, the contract, professional contract.
0: Trustee Friedman's usually the fastest. I don't I'll hear second. It. Oh, Splendorio beats him. <laughs> second. <laughs> uh, too late, Trustee Friedman. All right, uh, can we? First, uh, Madam Clerk, can we roll call this one?
1: Yes, for E-5, Trustee Banerjee. like Trustee Bouquet. Aye. Trustee Blue. Aye. Trustee Chapman. Aye. Trustee Esteem. Aye. Trustee Fox. Aye. Trustee Friedman. Aye. Trustee Jensen. Aye. And Trustee Slendoria. Aye. The motion passes, thank you.
0: Excellent. Um, Let's go to item E6, the teleconferencing resolution pursuant to Assembly Bill 361. Uh, Trustee Jensen, I'll let you uh, uh, walk us through concerns, questions. Trustee Esteem. I mean, I apologies, Trustee Esteem.
8: I think my biggest concern is that I would like for us to entertain going back to in person meetings. I mean, I since I've served as a trustee, we have not been in person because I, I guess went in during COVID. And I just have the opinion that in person allows for um, a different kind of access for the public and for. Um, the staff, though Zoom also allows for a different kind of access and ease. Um, you know, the mask mandate from the state is going to drop soon. The COVID risk is dropping. Vaccinations and boosting, as we heard, amongst the staff. And um, I'm not exactly sure about the status of each trustee, but folks are being protected and safe. And um, I just wanted to get an assessment from everyone because the consent vote doesn't necessarily. Allow for people to voice their opinion.
0: I mean, it's it's a great a great question and commentary for probably all boards in California uh, and what has happened to our system. Uh, we, we, I'll I'll encourage a few comments here and then, uh, uh, Madam Secretary Treasurer, how, how about we give this larger forum for discussion, perhaps in an executive committee meeting with with. Uh, the executive officers to help kind of steward and guide this. There are certainly pros and cons vis-a-vis accessibility. uh, And there are certain rules which we're going to be bound by. Uh, The trustees will not be allowed to, or it'll be, how should I say this, Council? It'll be extraordinarily difficult for the trustees to mount a hybrid approach. So it's sort of all or none. We're in the room together or we're in Zoom together. Uh, and uh, I don't think the statute, uh, the statute makes it very difficult for, for some trustees to be from home uh, uh, and some trustees to be here. I know the drive for Trustee Splendorio might be like an hour and 15 minutes or something to get here, uh, or maybe an hour, uh, depending on the time of day. And, and that, that, you know, that, that might cause issues. I'll, I'll, allow, uh, I'll give a few comments on this. if if, Trustee Essene after this, if we could have a vote on it just to keep us alive for 30 days on this, and then uh, the promises to have an executive committee uh, meeting on this for broader dialogue. Is that acceptable? That is acceptable. Trustees, uh, 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 Trustee Jensen, you go first. You're on mute.
7: Thank you, Trustee Esteen. I agree. It it would be um, nice to be back in person. I think the whole board has changed a lot and we have, haven't have had these face-to-face meetings. My suggestion would be that perhaps we could start with committees to perhaps in the next month or so, we could um, start with committees, which tend to be smaller, tend to be, um, and tend to have fewer public participants. So that might be a way to see how, how it works for staff and for um, board members.
0: Okay. Trustees, other comments? I know, I know, I know commutes ex- will be longer for some than
18: others. Trustees, Spendorio. Taft, if you don't mind, whenever you have your meeting, your executive is to discuss that. I don't understand why it cannot be hybrid because it can be. The Brown Act allows that there are certain ways you can do that. Is, is it a video capability problem inside, inside where the trustees would meet?
0: I you don't have that, to
18: answer the question. I just want to know if you yeah. guys that think about it.
0: It, it's not a video thing and there's a nuance and I will have counsel reach out because, because uh, I, I think I know where you live Splend. So you're, you're probably the longest commute of all of all of us. So, so I I was definitely thinking about you and it relates to identification of public spacing and the like, I'll have counsel reach out to you, informing him, informing you in anticipation of this discussion. Is yeah, that acceptable it, counsel?
18: Well, yeah, I mean, but that's, that's the, the distance isn't the issue for me. Okay. Um, uh, like I said, I've had, we've handled Brown Act-ish. I mean, once Supervisor Miley, I believe, was in Washington, D.C., and we held a meeting. Uh, yeah. So it, it can be done. I just want to understand if it's the video. I want to understand more about the video capabilities. Yes, sir. Because those prefer- can be difficult.
0: Yeah. I, I prefer flexibility uh, as you as you would, too, As uh, my personal comment. Uh, Madam Chief Medical Officer, and I think the CEO has his hand up, but I don't know if that's old hand. Dr. Torna Uh
17: Thank you, Dr. Buket. Um, I am just requesting actually that the board consider consultation also with Dr. Deborah Ellis, our director of infection prevention um, to help guide this from an infection prevention standpoint.
0: Great, great counsel. Absolutely. OK, um, can I entertain a motion for item E6? Yeah, the motion is
8: to
0: Um, approve item E6 for 30 30 days.
8: Absolutely. I'll
0: second. I'll second Taft. Trustee Friedman gets boxed out again. (laughs) (laughs)
1: My (laughs) ros on dead is
0: fading. Uh, Roll call, Madam Clerk. Yes,
1: uh, For E6, Trustee Banerjee. Aye. Trustee Bouquet. Aye. Trustee Blue. Thumbs up. (laughs) Thank you. Trustee Chapman. Aye. Trustee Estean. Aye. Trustee Fox.
2: Aye.
1: Trustee Friedman. Aye. Trustee Jensen. Aye. And Trustee Sundoria.
0: Aye. The motion passes. Excellent. We've now navigated the consent agenda. We're going to go into the last uh, uh, agendized item. There are staff reports. That's item G for everyone's review. Item F1 is the strategic planning update with uh, led by our CEO and our Huron consultants. Um, uh, Mr. CEO, do you think we can get through this one in about 15? And I think Leslie's in the room. Is, is Ms. Grimmer in the room? I am. Yes. Good evening, and, Leslie. And um, I
19: think so, we can get through it in
0: 15. So just to and just a, a forecasting for, I know we have a lot of public comment. The last item of the evening is the EBMG uh, uh, discussion. So for the public speakers, you're probably about 15 minutes uh, from from where where you can enter into the meeting. Okay, um, Ms. Grimmer, the floor is yours. Welcome.
19: Thank you, um, and thank you for having us again to give you an update on the development of the um, Alameda Health System Strategic Plan. So, um, progress update: um, the uh, executive leadership team continues to develop the strategic pillars, goals, actions, and then we'll do tactics. Um, We are continuing um, a handful of interviews that we still have um, a desire to complete, as well as, um, frankly, based a lot on um, input that we received from this group last month, um, are soliciting input from all um, AHS internal um, employees and a select group of external constituents through a survey and I'll um, spend a bit of time in the following slides giving you some context for that survey. Further, again, based on a lot of content or um, recommendations that we've got from this group as well as others, um, we're seeking to um, gather the patient perspective and we're working with Jan Robertson who is um, a a patient relations manager and SAMBO Lee, the interpreter and translational services. Uh, to capture that patient voice, and we'll do that through um, a facilitated set of um, patient group discussions um, and um, as well as some individual um, uh, calls and and um, conversations Following a, a very similar format to the survey, but um, not really using a survey tool, given the audiences and, and potential um, technology challenges that we might have with um, with that population. Um, we will then also distribute the um, a, a, a modified survey to um, the Patient Family Advisory Council uh, and the co co-app, applicant board, where um, we have um, more confidence that a, a technological solution um, will be um, uh, appropriate to gather their feedback. We will then um, attend the ELT, the Executive Leadership Team Retreat on 318, where we will continue to develop the priorities and the strategies as well as start to um, prioritize uh, goals and actions. And um, overall we're on um, target to complete the planning process by mid-April. So just to refresh, you saw this slide um, last month but thought it was um, value to share again. This is um, all the constituents um, from whom we are gathering um, input to develop the plan. The red um, names are new from the, um, the last time you would have seen this slide last month. So um, obviously uh, Trustee Chapman, new to the list. Um, as I mentioned before the survey, um, uh, the uh, all the employees, uh, select group of community stakeholders, and then patient representatives. So those um, new groups since the last time you saw. And then um, three members of the um, Alameda Healthcare District Board, um, as well as um, Heather McDonald-Fine and um, Dr. Francis from the Homeless Homeless Health Center. And then while we have spoken to um, Dr. Swift and others around um, HETI, we are going to um, interview um, or have at least a meeting of the entire HETI committee to make sure that we're sufficiently capturing that input. So more about the survey, it was um, developed by Chair and, Bouquet um, and Mr. Jackson, along with um, the Huron team. And again, our purpose was to gather that unique and valuable perspective from the, um, from the employees. And we're asking questions around um, a little bit of demographic information about the stakeholders, which is optional, but it helps us just kind of segment um, the feedback that we're getting. We're asking questions about alignment with mission, vision, and values, um, target populations that um, should be part of the long-term plan, Um, the uh, clinical services currently or in the future being offered, um, as well as other strategic considerations. And again, it went to the survey went to all employees, so several thousand folks um, and a group of community stakeholders. The um, survey was sent on the uh, 1st of February, and we will close the survey um, on Friday of this week. So the survey went out via email. Um, there was a very nice um, introduction from um, Mr. Jackson and Chair Bouquet. And um, if you, uh, everyone on this call um, either has received it or would have um, know somebody that um, should have received it, if you're not finding that um, uh, your um, uh, folks are getting the survey, please let us know. I mean, maybe check your junk mailbox first, and then if not, um, uh, please let either um, Shreya Johnson or Emily Graff from the Huron team know and we can make sure that a survey is routed. Um, Mr. Jackson further promoted um, the participation in the survey on um, his uh, February 2nd desktop chat and it's on the um, AHS internet uh, with a reminder to please complete the survey by 2 um, We have 132 responses as of this morning, and you'll see there where um, the uh, contributions are coming from. So a a nice wide distribution of respondents, uh, representation from every one of um, AHS facilities, of course, the highest from um, Highlands San Leandro and Alameda, which would make sense because those, those are the biggest populations of employees. And then once that survey closes on the 11th, we will um, we the Huron team will digest the results, um, produce a high- level overview for the ELT and work with the ELT to incorporate that survey feedback um, along with the face-to-face interview content that we received in further development of the pillars, the goals, the actions, and the tactics. And so, my final comment on the survey is: um, you're, we're actually pretty pleased with 132 responses. You don't typically get a, um, a really high percentage of responses um, for things like this, but um, we would, we would, you know, the more voices, the better. So, um, you know, as you go back to your um, to your constituents, please encourage them um, to to complete the survey because we just we just want to have um, a, you know really great representation.
0: Mr. Gummer, will you hold on this slide here? Mm-hmm. So, so I, I, I also like 132 responses. Uh, uh, there are a lot of physicians in the room this evening, and I see 13 physician leaders have responded. So, uh, I guess there's a call to action. Please, uh, all people who've been, make your voice heard. This is the opportunity. the the uh, Your your opinion is being considered and invited. So, please take advantage of this, uh, of, this of this survey. I think you'll find the questions will make you actually stop and think about a few things, but I, I think we have a lot more room to go with 13 physician leaders who've responded. You know, if we, if we tally all our MECs, we probably have, you know, on the order of 30. So, and then this was sent broad, more broadly. So docs, please show.
19: Thank you. So I'll stand for questions or comments.
8: Just have a question. Noting uh, the comment that you just made, board chair, um, how was the survey advertised beyond the email that went out, including the link?
19: So, um, James, do you want to um, speak to that? I know you did the um, the chat; it went there.
5: Um... Yes, thank you, Leslie. So. Um, Trustee Esteen, um, on the chat both last <laughs> Wednesday and today that we have highlighted the fact that this is um, open and that we are really encouraging and, and, you know, really soliciting feedback. We've also done the, the email that you referred to, and it's on our intranet as well for staff to, uh, if they go to the internet, they see it there, so. And if there are other ways that we can publicize this, we'd be happy to do so. It's been pushed also to um, the um, Alameda Healthcare District. Um, We we have encouraged their participation as well.
0: We have a lot of docs in the room and a lot of med staff leaders. So please everyone uh, give contribution with your voice. Trustee Fox, you have a question, sir? Yes, thank you. comment.
2: Um, uh, Question. Will the final deliverable when the plan is done in April include financial projections yes sir great thank you and will the uh, will the final plan be specific enough that uh, uh, administration will be able to go back and do a kind of post implementation analyses of whether of what whether and to what extent we're achieving the objectives in the plan.
19: I would um, say one of my favorite expressions is credenza where we we certainly strive for the strategic plan to not become credenza aware where it sits and you, we can just point to it and say that we've done it but that it becomes actionable um, and from and I'll certainly defer to chair bouquet and 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 James Jackson, but one of the things that we talked about very early on was um, creating a process whereby um, the plan is revisited at least annually to assure that um, there are um, there is appropriate progress being made. Um, when um, you know we we also will discuss metrics that should um, buddy with each of the. Um, the actions and the tactics so that you can, from a high level scorecard standpoint, really keep track on whether this whether the strategies are moving the needle the way um, it was anticipated. And so that's another way to, to just really stay aligned with the, um, the success of this, those strategies.
0: Okay. Thank you. Mr. Jackson, a request. Can we use the system to re-push this back out um, for because we're sort of at the 48 hour mark? It's due probably. Ms. Gummer, is uh, close of business Friday acceptable, or is uh, certainly I, I, okay? Give, give us yeah. a little time. Uh, I see some med staff leaders in there. Please let the, your constituencies know. Dr. Akila Suarez on the on, on the line. Uh, this, uh, you know we have over 5,300 employees in our organization, and while 132 looks robust, but boy, there's a lot of unmined data out there, and it would be helpful to uh, our Huron colleagues.
5: Consider it done. Thank you.
0: Thank you, sir. I think that's the close. Uh, sorry, trustees, I'm scanning the room. Any other comments on this? Okay, we'll close. Um, therefore, item F1. Item F2 is noted as an action discussion on the East Bay Medical Group contract. Uh, I, I, I want to be uh, in, in always for transparency. I am a member of the East Bay Medical Group and therefore hold a conflict of interest on any uh, dialogues and discussions on this item. Therefore, I'll be recusing myself from both discussion and dialogue. Um, so, um, good luck, everybody. I hope it's a thoughtful and engaging dialogue, and I, I wish I could hear it, but I'm not going to. Uh, tr- uh, Council Azizi, you were going to put me in a little box. <laughs> yes, we'll. Uh... Uh, Madam Vice President, the floor is yours.
7: Uh, Thank you, Dr. Chair. I will- um,
0: Actually, that actually, it went away. Give me a second here. Let me send it to me one more time. Bye, everybody.
7: Um, First of all, let me um, point out that this item was before the Finance Committee um, at its regular meeting on February 2nd last week. And at that meeting, the finance committee voted to postpone the item and to hear it again in the finance committee. And so we, the full board, is actually going to address. First of all, we're going to address that um, finance committee suggestion, that finance committee recommendation to send it back. So, what I would like to do is to hear from the finance committee chair right now. To hear from Trustee Fox regarding that discussion and the. Um, and the outcome and any other issues that you would
2: like to discuss. Okay, this uh, this contract was an action item on last week's Finance Committee agenda. And uh, in the course of the discussion, uh, Trustee Esteen raised the question of whether it is appropriate to go forward with this contract when the physicians have previously voted to be represented by a union. And uh, Trustee Esteen uh, moved that the Consideration of the contract by the Finance Committee be postponed for 30 days. Uh, also during discussion, a question was raised as to whether uh, this contract, if it went forward, might constitute an unfair labor practice. Uh, after discussion, uh, Trustee Esteen's motion was approved by a vote of two, four, and one against. Two other members of the committee uh, had had to leave the meeting. as This item came up toward the end of the meeting and they did not vote on it.
7: Thank you, Trustee Fox. So um, as Trustee Fox pointed out, the Finance Committee has asked the full board to allow the committee to review the item before the Board of Trustees votes, but the item has been agendized, as we all know, and pursuant to our bylaws, before for discussion of the substance of this item, the Board will make a decision about whether to consider the issue tonight or to refer it back to the Finance 3 before we move to trustee comments um our council suggested that we hear public comments on the item so uh, uh,
18: excuse me can we have a staff report well
7: yeah uh, i think that we will have a staff report if it doesn't go back to finance if it goes back to finance we'll hear public comments as i understand it and amadi you can correct me i believe we'll hear public comments and then
20: trustee splendorio so uh there's, it's a two-part question. Uh, the first question is whether or not this board should hear uh, the agenda item um, uh, in light of the fact that which what Trustee Jensen pointed out, which was the Finance Committee uh, recommended that we defer the, the uh, hearing of this uh, item to the next Finance Committee meeting on March 2nd. So the first question before your board here tonight is whether or not uh, you should hear this uh, this item at all whether you should consider this item at all uh, and how do
18: we do that if we don't have a staff report
20: uh trustee fox just uh went through what the uh, uh the circumstances uh of of how we got here uh, uh, in, in in terms of the first step whether we should hear this uh, tonight or not
18: okay well i i object to that you can move forward but I don't know how, if you don't explain what the contract is for or
2: against, I don't know how you do that, but. But I have a question uh, and that is, uh, aren't the uh, trustees uh, entitled to uh, ask questions of the staff about this, about yes. this item?
20: Yes, uh, uh, Trustee Jensen was asking for public comment. After public comment, then you can have a discussion with staff.
7: But I think Ahmad, and I think if I could just interject here, the, the actual issue would be for staff, for for uh, board staff, for Ahmad Aziz, our, our council with regard to the procedural issue. And we're, the first thing we're discussing right now is a procedural issue of whether or not to take up this item tonight or whether to send it back to the finance committee. So. That's the issue. That's what we're going to vote on before we even hear anything about the substance of the issue from staff. We're going to vote on whether to hear the issue or to send it back to the finance committee.
2: But I I just would have to interject, Trustee Jensen, that there is an issue of urgency uh, relating to whether we delay for 30 days or not. And I think it would be appropriate uh, for uh, the administration to comment on the urgency of, of considering this tonight versus considering it in 30 days.
7: Absolutely, I, I apologize, you're right. And so if we could hear public comments, then we'll hear the procedural and urgency issues, um, any issues around that from, from our council and from from um, leaders, from the CEO and others. Is, that, is everyone amenable to that? Any other questions?
9: Yeah, I just have a question. I just wanna be sure I got this right. So we do have the ability to approve this resolution, right? Even though there was a motion from the finance committee that it gets delayed for 30 days. I just want to get clear. If
7: the board, if if this board, if there's not a motion to send it back to the finance committee that's adopted, that's approved by this board, then the board will hear this item. So after public comment and after we hear about the procedural issues from staff and the urgency issues from staff, then this board then will entertain a motion from this board, one motion, a motion to send this item back to the finance committee. And if that motion is approved and adopted by this board, then that'll be the end of the item. If the motion is not approved and adopted, then the board will discuss and move on this action item. Is that, is that clear to everyone?
16: It's
4: not clear to me I, I I why should it just be a procedural item, why can't it be a full uh, presentation, so we make a informed decision that, as the board, can we make the decision today.
7: And well, it will
4: be. Trustee, Ban- Trustee Banerjee, it will,
7: we will make a decision, provided the procedural issue is addressed provided the board. Doesn't send this item back to the finance committee. The only way that we can act on this as a full board tonight is if there is no motion to send this back to the finance committee as recommended by the finance
8: committee. Okay. Is that clear?
16: Can I, you know, thank you. uh,
8: Board vice president, since I was the person in the finance committee who asked for the additional time, I'd like to just say why. Um, And seeing that we have 97 participants in this call. What I wanted was for our doctors to have the information that was included in the contract, because it it seemed like a surprise. It seemed like it was uh, a, a change. There were changes in the working conditions um, that were in addition to a financial compensation. And it, it didn't feel right for us as the Board of Trustees, which technically has, the final vote on any decision EBMG's board makes, but it didn't seem like there was information and time to disseminate this to the doctors. And I had questions about that. Uh, They were answered during the meeting. And in the time since then, my inbox on my email has been flooded with uh, commentary from the physician staff. So I feel like the information has been disseminated and, I am ready for the public comment and welcome it because this is exactly what I was hoping for. And sometimes our committee meetings uh, are not well attended. We had 25 people in the room. They were mainly staff who typically attend. They were not medical staff. And so the participation we see now is exactly what I was hoping for. And maybe we didn't need a full 30 days to get that participation once people started to understand the issues. So. As we move forward through this process, uh, I hope that we get the information that we need to help inform the decision.
7: Thank you, Trustee Esteem. That's that's very helpful. And so if, if there are any other comments um, from our council, any comments or?
9: Yeah, uh, go ahead. Uh, go, ahead. Um,
20: yeah. go ahead, Trustee Blue.
9: Yeah, so I just, um, you know, I do uh, sympathize with, uh, Trustee Splendora, who you know hasn't gotten a full report on this, but we this is urgent. And the reason why I raised some issues uh, with the resolution that came before the Finance Committee is because I wanted to make sure that labor law is being followed. I wanted to make sure that, quote, the rank and file doctors who organized uh, physicians into the union that internally within their own leadership that they have the ability to uh, let us know what is going on. I did request that there be a letter uh, from SEIU, from the doctors from SEIU uh, to make sure that they were in support of this um, budget that's being proposed, but also recognizing that there is, um, through the bargaining process, that there's gonna be other issues that will come up that they will bargain over. And it could mean more compensation. It will probably deal with working conditions, especially since people have raised the issue of burnout and emotional health. You know, that I think that'll all come to the bargaining table. So, but I wanna make it clear to the physicians that are here I wanna make sure you get the salaries that you want. I want to make Thank sure because
7: trusty okay. blue. I, I think that we can. Yeah. That could be part of the discussion when yeah. we discuss the issue. Actually, so um, right now, before we do that, we can hear from um, members of the public, and then we'll I
18: have my hand to- up. I'm I- going to voice my objection again to the pro. It's my issues with the process. Uh, Nothing. This has been agenda as what you just explained. All that's on the agenda. Public agenda is is to consider this. The the, the finance committee is a recommendation. That's all it is. So again, we're going to hear all the public testimony. That's fine. You can start and go on. I'm just saying there doesn't need to be a vote whether to proceed or not. This is just to consider it. And that's the way the Brown Act works. But if you want to go do that, go ahead. But I'm, I'm like I said, I object to the process. It, it, we should move right ahead, consider it, consider the recommendation of the finance committee. And if that doesn't go, then we talk to the merits. But that's all to me, all the, just a recommendation.
20: Trustee Splendoria. Thank you, I, Trustee
7: Splendoria. Um, go ahead, I'm on.
20: Thank you, uh, uh, Trustee Jensen. So uh, Trustee Bouquet is the chair of the board. He recused himself. Um, so he, he wasn't available to place this on the agenda. So we, uh, the board needed to decide whether or not it wants to hear this item uh, at all. And we couldn't do that outside of a board meeting. That's why this is, uh, um, CEO Jackson put it on the agenda, but uh, gave it to this board to decide whether wants to hear it because Trustee Bouquet, the chair of this uh, board uh, was conflicted out.
7: Um, That's why there's a
20: need for the two-step process.
7: Um, let me ask you, um, you. You provided me with, with an outline of, um, of the issue and, and the best way to proceed. And so, what I want to ask you is, uh, I would like to um, change the order uh, that you and I discussed and actually determine right now whether there are any board members who would like to make a motion or a second or to take the vote on sending it back to finance. At this time, we can still hear. It. Can we still hear public comments? I don't yeah. want to. So I don't the, want to disregard the position and I don't want to disregard the audience members 16 people have signed up so far to speak. Yeah, but I, I think to uh, to to address um, trustee Sundoria's concerns, it would be, I think that that might be appropriate to do right now.
20: Yeah, tr- uh, so uh, trustee Jensen, you can uh, see if, if there will be a motion if, if there's no uh, motion to send it back you can ask for a motion and then you can take, uh, but before you uh, vote on the motion, you would take public comment.
7: Okay, great. Then um, I'll ask trustees if there's a motion from a trustee to send this item back to finance without hearing the item in full full board tonight.
18: How about if I make the motion that we consider it the uh, agenda item on the merits and and, uh, not return it to the finance committee?
7: Second. That's, I'm sure that's appropriate too. If we could take a vote on that motion, then that would be similar similar procedure. Um, Rana. could you call that question, please?
1: Okay, so we're voting to hear the item and not return it to exactly. finance. Moved by Splendorio, seconded by Blue. Um, trustee- by,
8: Can we have discussion just before we take the vote? I'm sorry, can we have just a moment of discussion before taking the vote to understand deeper the parliamentary procedure here? Of course. Okay. So I think my concern about this process, I think the process of having the item held for 30 days and having a vote on that and then bringing it to the full board feels like it's a bit out of order. And this is an urgent issue, which absolutely needs to be, voted on immediately, and as I stated before, information should be disseminated to the parties who are being impacted, especially after they have decided they want a union where they can negotiate their own terms around pay increases and conditions. Um, So I think the process that we're talking about of having a decision within the finance committee to give more time, and then doing an end around that decision, something about that seems not quite right but as we are here and we have 97 98 people in the room i want to hear what they have to say so let's proceed with the vote
7: matt um Rana, would you there's been a, a motion and a second i believe um trustee friedman made the second oh
1: I my did. apologies oh thank you thank you sorry about that no uh, problem <laughs> all right trustee banerjee aye trustee bouquet Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Trustee Blue. Aye. Trustee Chapman. Aye. Trustee Esteen. Aye. Trustee Fox. Aye. Trustee Friedman. Aye. Trustee Jensen. Aye. Trustee Splendorio. Aye. And apologies, Trustee Bucat is recused, but the motion does pass. Thank you. Okay,
7: with that, then um, we can disregard the the issue of the, the returning it the item to the finance committee and we'll hear from public comments i um see that there are at least 15 people who have signed up to to um share their comments and there may be more so at this time uh we will limit public comment to one minute per speaker and we will also um as as trustee esteem pointed out as we often see there are a lot of there are a lot of people in the room for this meeting and so we will open, um, a, a, add another 10 minutes for commenters. If you haven't already signed up to comment, you can send an email to um, COB at COB, that's clerk of the board at AlamedaHealthSystem.org to sign up. And you have 10 minutes from now to do that. It's 7.32, so you have until 7.42. If you haven't already signed up to speak on this item, you, you have a chance to do that now. The first public speaker um, that's, that's already signed up is Marina Treloskaya, Dr. Marina Trelliskaya.
3: Hey, excuse me. Um, I want to echo what uh, Trustee Splendorio said before. Don't we normally get a staff report before public comment? that's up to the
20: chair uh trustee freedom oh, okay we can get a staff report first and then follow it well
3: either that. way i'll defer to the chair sorry to interrupt
7: that's fine i i'm just going by the suggested um suggested process here and um it's often in my experience the public comments are taken first and they're considered to be along with the staff report the information that informs the board but if board members would prefer to have the um to have staff make a presentation first certainly either way we're going to get both i guess sorry i brought it up okay um dr Choleskaya. hi uh
21: good evening everyone can you hear me okay Yeah. Uh, Thank you so much for this opportunity to speak. Um, I am chief of cardiology and the interim chair of the largest department here at AHS, the Department of Medicine. I'm also currently serving as the chair of the EBMG Compensation Committee, so I'm intimately familiar with this proposal. I've been at AHS for um, close to nine years, and I'm highly concerned that this proposal uh, is possibly at risk. So for some background, we've been working on this for uh, several months, probably at least half a year. 30 seconds. And um, through our work, it became very clear that uh, we're losing physicians currently at unprecedented rate. uh, And it's one of the top three reasons uh, why physicians are leaving this organization. We really need to be able to fill positions, um, and it just has proven to not be possible with the current model. And many departments are understaffed, um, and with a large coal burden, there is a real concern for burnout. There is no question in my mind, after I've been uh, hearing Um, many physicians, that there's a desperate and urgent need for this compensation proposal to pass. Thank you.
12: Thank you, Dr. Truliskaya. Um, Dr. Xin Yang? Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Xin Yang. I'm an interventional cardiologist working here at Highland Hospital. Thank you for having me tonight. Um, As someone who work, came from the National Health Service in the United Kingdom, joining the AHS really felt like coming home. Uh, it's been a great privilege to be part of AHS to help realizing this vision of providing excellent care to all. However, I also know through my experience from the National Health Service, what so reliance on goodwill can do to staff morale and burnout over time. East Bay Medical Group is currently experiencing unprecedented difficulty with recruitment and retention. Many members have already left and the problem is getting worse. Through it all, morale and patient care continue to suffer. The current proposal aims to correct some of the long overdue deficiencies in compensation, but more importantly, it gives the AHS an opportunity to show it cares and values its physician, one of its most valuable assets. This is why I urge you to approve the pr- proposal and support EBMG its m- mission to continue to provide excellent care to all. Thank you.
7: Thank you, Dr. Yang. Dr. N. Uchi? Dr. Uchi? Okay, um, we'll, we can come back. Um, to Dr. Uche, Marano, if you let me know if um, Dr. Uche becomes part of the queue, Dr. Vonderheide, Blake Vonderheide.
22: Good evening. My name is Dr. Blake Vonderheide. I'm a physician anesthesiologist at Alameda Health System. I've been for nine years. I've been practicing anesthesiology in the state of California for 20 years. I've been waiting nine years for a pay raise at, at Highland Hospital. I enjoy the mission. I am passionate about the place. I feel very passionate about our patient population, and I just want to speak to the the current uh, em- employment environment in the state of California and the Bay Area in particular for a- physician anesthesiologists. And you know, historically, over the last twenty years, there have been only about fifty jobs available seconds. in the state of California. Thank you uh, for a physician anesthesiologists over the last two years. We've seen those numbers jump to 350 positions for physician anesthesiologists in the state of California, and mostly within the Bay Area, we have up to 70 available positions for physician anesthesiologists. If you include from Santa Rosa to Sacramento down to San Jose, we're over 100 jobs opening for docs, as that also includes nurse anesthetists. When you can't find a doctor, you also rely upon the the advanced practice practitioners And they, too, like, uh, are demanding greater pay. And, you know, we all believe in the mission, but the mission is the same throughout this country. We have millions of Americans without health care. You know, I'm going to take a few more seconds. I'm sorry. But uh, um, if you don't mind, please. Um, And, you know, we all believe in value. And value is reflected to the physicians by our board of trustees, by our board of directors, by our nurses, by our staff, by increasing our compensation. And, you know, no one feels better than to receive a little bit of a pay increase. And for us, our department has become more competitive within the environment that we have locally between competing against Stanford, UCSF, Summit, uh, and John Muirwanek Creek. We're asking for only 25% of the MGMA Western Division, as well as a little bump in our our call compensation, which is rather onerous. And, you know, I've done this now for 20 years, and I can no longer pop up like a piece of toast after a 24-hour shift or even a 12-hour shift of being up all night uh, providing services, labor and delivery, the ER, the ICU, and the ORs. You know, we enjoy it, but it's very difficult to recruit physicians to come to a trauma center. And so we... You right. see that is very thank important.
7: Thank you, Dr. Vanderheide. You're right. welcome.
22: Thank you for your time.
7: And um, that I, I have a list of speakers, but it doesn't, it's not clear if, so I'm going to just be aware, I'm going to call everyone doctor. Hopefully, if you're not a doctor, you'll be um, excited because you're one tonight. Dr. Sarah Blashko
23: I would like to thank the Board of Trustees for allowing the EBMG physicians to de- demonstrate why spread support of the Compensation Committee proposal. I would like to thank Dr. Akila Warren and the EBMG Compensation Committee for uniting all EBMG physicians in support of this proposal. During my eight years at AHS, I have seen physicians lead HS or decline HS job offers due to compensation issues that are rectified in this proposal. A fair and transparent compensation structure with cost of living adjustments is necessary for recruitment and retentions of physicians at AHS. Additionally, studies have shown ongoing pay disparities for physicians of color and female physicians with women doctors earning an estimated $2 million less over a career than their male counterparts. This compensation proposal evaluated and eliminated pay disparities that exist at AHS for women and physicians of color. Please support the compensation proposal to help create fair and transparent pay structure that helps to eliminate racial and gender-based pay disparities.
7: Thank you, Dr. Blasco.
20: Dr. Alex Panish. Good
10: evening, I'm an anesthesiologist and pain physician here at Alameda Health System. I'm here today to voice my strong support for the EBMG compensation proposal. I've witnessed the efforts put forth by EBMG leadership to understand the experiences of us physicians and I've personally engaged in many conversations with leadership regarding the inequities affecting our department. We are currently the only department in the organization that's below the 10 percentile national benchmark our hourly call rates are approximately three-fourths of our base salary and the base salary discrepancies between co- colleagues ranges up to $50,000 a year. Additionally, our department has become dependent on hiring low physicians for far higher rates to account for persistent staffing shortages. 30 seconds. This degree of inequity is quite frankly offensive and is definitely contributing to our challenges recruiting or retaining talented physicians to care for our patients. This initiative has been a beacon of hope for many of us who continue to work diligently to meet the needs of our patients. The news of this proposal being at risk is a strong blow to our morale and will definitely result in physicians leaving as evidenced by this year's survey showing that 80% of physicians are considering leaving in the next year. We don't have time to wait for this unionization effort to unfold. Design for action is now and any efforts to to this proposal will have negative consequences for our group and partly our patients. I urge you to approve this proposal. Thank you for your time and your consideration.
7: Thank you, Dr. Panusha. Dr. Guido Di Stefano.
24: Hello, good evening. Um, I'm the interim chair for the Department of Orthopedics, and I've been with AHS for 10 years. I was one of the inaugural members of AHP, which has since transitioned to EBMG, and this is the first comprehensive compensation review since I was hired. The whole orthopedic department was very engaged with EBMG, the consultants, as well as AHS leadership, and one of the messages we keep hearing is retention and recruitment which is particularly impactful for the ortho department where we've lost providers and are currently trying to recruit right now, which is a very challenging marketplace. So I really emphasize that this is a key um, piece to be able to accomplish that. And I thank you.
7: Thank you, Dr. Gistefano. Dr. Aditi Chirulis.
9: Uh, good evening. Uh, this is Aditi. I'm a hospitalist physician at San Leandro Hospital. Uh, like the other physicians before me, we wanted to voice our unwavering and unanimous support for the EBMG compensation plan. We feel it's imperative and crucial to correct these past inequities, and it's so integral to retaining our good physicians within AHS. And has been mentioned before, not doing so will definitely lead to a mass exodus of excellent physicians, and ultimately our, it is our patients who will suffer. Our physicians deserve better. We feel these changes are long overdue, Pretty we have full faith that the Board of Trustees will take this into serious consideration. Thank you.
7: Thank you, Dr. Chititi.
24: Dr. Michael Wu? Good evening, trustees. Thank you for um, allowing us to voice our opinions about this. Like many have already expressed, the recruitment environment now is incredibly challenging. I know this now as the interim chair for the Department of Anesthesia. I'm the third interim uh, chair that you have heard from this evening, which symbolizes the challenges that we run through as a system and how important it is for my department, which Dr. Vonderheide and Dr. Paniche have uh, eloquently expressed. Earlier it was asked, what can we do to help with physician burnout and wellness? Well, this is a small step towards it during the last two years, during a very difficult time in a uh, worldwide pandemic. So we are are asking um, you to really help us help take care of our patients. We continue to expand services throughout AHS and that includes a lot of um, service from my department. And without being able to recruit and retain excellent physicians that we have, we won't be able to take care of our patients as well as our providers. Thank you for your time.
7: Thank you, Dr. Wu. Dr. Davida Flattery.
25: Yes. Hello, trustees. Um, good evening. My name is Devita Flattery. I've been a primary care physician at Highland since 2009. And uh, we EBMG physicians very much appreciate your care and consideration and wanting to make sure that the frontline physicians support this proposal. And just as a way to show you how much we do Um, I just wanted to read aloud the message that 159 of us have signed. Um, So the message is, we, the physicians of EBMG, support the compensation proposal being put 30 seconds to In the proposal, are essential to our ability to retain and recruit physicians across all specialties so that we can fulfill our mission of providing high quality, cost effective, patient centered care to the people of Alameda County. And I just want to thank all of you for supporting us in our work caring for our patients.
7: Thank you, Dr. Flattery. Um, you're, I think that um, the letter was distributed to board members. Um, you were cut. You cut out in the middle there, but I, I have seen the letter and I appreciate everyone from ABMG um, and you sharing it and reading it aloud. Thank you. The next um, speaker is Dr. Colin Trainer.
21: Hi, uh, this is uh, Amy Splitter, Chief of Podiatry. I'm speaking on behalf of Dr. Colin Trainer, if that's okay. Sure. Um, Uh, I've worked at uh, AHS since 2004 um, as the chief of podiatry. Um, I just, this is gonna be really brief. I just wanted to echo what the other physicians have expressed, that there is an urgent need to uh, approve this compensation proposal and that AHS teams will lose providers to better opportunities.
7: Thank you, Dr. Splitter. Absolutely, Um, thank you. And um, Dr. Nikita Joshi.
11: Thank you everybody for the opportunity to address to you all. Um, I wanted to extend the message that Dr. Flattery had given about the petition. I wanna make it clear that 159 physicians have signed this petition. Those who have signed this petition span almost every specialty that we have at EBMG, including anesthesia, orthopedics, radiology, urology, podiatry, in addition to emergency medicine and internal medicine. And I say this to highlight that it is the big departments and the small departments and divisions that care very much about this issue. I also wanna add a second point, which is we've heard a lot about why we need this for the physicians. We need this for the patients. I work at Alameda and San Leandro emergency rooms. I also work at Highland emergency department. Alameda and San Leandro, we don't have access to the same surgical and medical subspecialties. And a lot of it is because these divisions are so understaffed, critically understaffed that they can't expand beyond Highland. We often have to transport our patients outside of our AHS system, taking patients away from their families and loved ones when they are critically ill, because we don't have the ability to cover the three hospitals the way that we need to. Please, there's urgency in this. Please listen to our voices and know that it's not just for ourselves, but really for the patients that we take care of. Thank you.
7: Thank you, Dr. Joshi. Dr. Lalavadi Indokar
26: Thank you. Good evening, everyone. Uh, my name is Lillian Dolkar. I've been an internal medicine doctor at Alameda Health System for more than 10 years now. I wanted to take the chance to actually express my gratitude and thanks to the Board of Trustees. You all raised some very important questions. You've given us the time and opportunity to respond to these questions, but more importantly, you've given us a moment of thoughtful pause which is important for us to think through a lot of these important transition points. Um, I, as a member of the organizing committee and a member of SEIU union, you know, we do support the EBMG proposal and its intent. This is a much needed, you know, a much needed proposal um, that's required to retain our physicians at the end of the day. But I do want to say that, you know, I am immensely proud of all of my colleagues on this call today. I mean, it is just amazing how the physicians have been able to unite, unite and stand with one another and advocate not just for them, but also for their patients, because ultimately that's what we're here for. We're here to serve the, the patients of Alameda County, and it's just so heartwarming and overwhelming to see what an amazing response this has been. So thank you for that.
7: Thank you, Dr. Indikar. Dr.
27: Yusuf Youssef. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Dr. Yusuf Youssef, director of hospitalist program at San Leandro Hospital. Usually when you put 10 physicians in one room, you have 10 opinions, but not on this proposal. Everybody is agreeing this is urgent and has to be done as soon as possible. Lately in the board, uh, in the board of director for uh, East Bay Medical Group, uh, we heard some very bad numbers regarding the retention of the staffing. We have record number of physicians leaving is Bay Medical Group. And in a recent survey, there is a record number of people said they will leave.
1: 30 seconds.
27: The number one reason for physicians leaving is compensation. So we are already short-staffed as of now, but it is going to get worse. And uh, it is, again, it is, as everybody said, it is for our patients. We are understaffed and everybody voiced their opinion uh, regarding staffing and compensation. And I, we, we know that direct knowledge from our colleagues, those who are underpaid, if this proposal doesn't pass, they are leaving. So it is going to be uh, a disaster and the cost of hiring physicians will be more than the cost of uh, paying these physicians fairly. Thank you.
7: Thank you, Dr. Yusuf. Dr. An Uche?
28: Good evening, Board of Trustees and everyone. My name is An Uche. I'm a medical oncologist. I take care of cancer patients. I've joined Highland Hospital for about two years. The main reason why I came to this hospital is because I have a passion to care for the underserved. While it has been a very humbling and fulfilling experience taking care of our vulnerable patients, my current compensation make it difficult for me to consider staying long-term at Highland Hospital. We are being paid well below the 25th percentile of national trend. The Bay Area has one of the highest cost of living in the nation, As someone who has young children to raise. As much as I would love to follow my passion, I do have to think about providing the best for my family. Um, and I'm, I have more than once in the past two years considered taking a better compensated job. And I'm sure I'm not the only one who has the same thoughts. This is evidenced by the number of physicians that's left the organization in the short two years that I have been here. 30 seconds. So I, I fear that if this proposal doesn't get um, passed, you will lose more physicians. And at the end of the day, it's our patient that will suffer. So I wholeheartedly and earnestly urge that you will vote yes on the proposal. Thank you for your time.
7: Thank you, Dr. Uche. Dr.
24: Nathan Gaines. Hi I just wanted to say I'm a first gen I'm sorry I'm the chief of neurology um, and I'm a a first gen college graduate um, first doctor in my family and I have a very high debt burden and I think that this proposal is a critical effort to improve our compensation and that's one of the best ways to recruit and retain underrepresented providers with backgrounds that are similar to our patients So I think that this is a really concrete way that we can support the diversity, equity, inclusion efforts at AHS. Great.
7: Thank you, Dr. Gaines. And our last speaker is Dr. Kathleen Clannan. Hi,
29: everybody. Um, I am an East Bay Medical Group board member, but I'm not compensated. I'm not not employed by the hospital. Uh, And I just wanted to to add my voice uh, to the others that you have heard. You will hear from staff um, uh, soon that there are benchmarks for, you know, for what physicians should be compensated, you know, in a given area. So these are not, um, this is bringing, bringing people up to what they really should be uh, making. It is not, you know, and, and we can, we have the data to, to demonstrate um, that that is the case. So um, I think it has been, uh, I, I I think that the word betrayal is probably not excessive um, for the feelings that people have been having about the action of the finance. 30 seconds. And, um, and really hoping um, that the full board will overturn that and be able to move forward with this proposal.
7: Thank you, Dr. Clannon, and thank you to all the speakers this evening. I don't, I'll ask or the board clerk, Ronna, are there any other speakers that we haven't?
1: That's, no, we got everybody, thank you.
7: Great, thank you. And so with that, then we will, The board will hear the presentation from staff regarding this item and we'll move forward with discussion and deliberation.
30: Wonderful. Thank you so much, trustees, Um, to my colleagues that are here. It's amazing to see so many of you and uh, to our audience members. I'm going to share my screen so you can see the presentation. So now you have no doubt heard from um, Uh, a vast number of my colleagues um, by email, Um, we just get this to full screen. By email, and now public comment, and um, we are asking for fair and transparent compensation. Can you still hear me? Yes. Can you see my screen?
7: yes the screen we can see your screen it's not full screen it's um we can see your your um contract renewal and you cut out briefly doctor but we can hear you now
30: okay let me get this to full screen Can you see my screen now? Are we good? Yeah. Okay, great. And so I want to share um, some background because as you as you can hear, um, this is more than just about self interest. Uh, we are asking for your permission tonight to um, retain our high quality physicians and clinicians to stay at AHS. We are asking for you to continue to support our ability to build trust with Alameda Health System's executive leadership team and we're asking to continue to be able to take care of the patients that were committed to helping and healing and so I think it's important to get into the facts of how we got here um, so that you know exactly what you're voting on and exactly what we're solving today we as you heard saw unprecedented rates of physician attrition last year more than we've ever seen before um, I took on the position of president of East Bay Medical Group last March so about a year ago and I started to see this effect right away. Um, we saw 11% of our physicians leave. Um, oh my gosh, can you still hear me? Yes. Okay, I'm sorry about the technical difficulties here. Let me try to get that to a better place. Um, and those physicians were in a variety of specialties. We did see some trends in that attrition. Um, What we saw, what I saw in my analysis is that we are losing the hardest segment of our workforce to retain, and those are the physicians that are about five to 15 years out of training. Um, These are the people that are are our workhorses, they are the most experienced, they um, are the ones that are training our uh, medical students and our junior attendings, they're the ones that um, are the most productive. And they're the ones that are examining is this worth it and, and really deciding that it's not and 25% of our departures were actually leaders um, which. Uh, we've heard from some of our interim chairs now, um, and this is something that we will address in just a moment, um, what I will say um, about uh, losing this segment of the workforce is. Um, that uh, we have a bimodal distribution at this point. We have a lot of people that are younger um, who are less than five years out of training. And then we have a lot of folks that are getting closer to retirement. And so it is imperative that we are able to keep this middle segment of the workforce with a competitive compensation plan. The second thing I saw is that um, we had this sort of lack of transparent compensation structure um, and perceived inequities in compensation between colleagues, which are not just perceived, but actually true in actually looking at the numbers. And once we had, once motivation had been depleted um, through the pandemic, through um, issues of trust with our executive leadership team and the turnover that occurred, it was very difficult to retain um, physicians. We know that most of our physicians actually work more than 100% FTE. We take call, we do extra shifts, and we are minimally staffed to be able to um, provide for our patients. And so what happened was really astounding last year. We lost staffing in critical areas. We were forced to ask AHS to contract out services, which we know is going to result in reduced quality of care because we're not only paying more for those services, but we're inviting providers in that may or may not share our mission. Um, And we simply shut down certain services. And so the services that are most at risk at this point include orthopedic surgery, which we know is critical for our level one trauma certification, primary care, which serves as a foundation for any health system, hospital medicine, pulmonary and critical care, as well as some of of our surgical subspecialties, many of which have one or two providers in their um, divisions um, and cannot possibly provide for the span of patients at three acute care facilities. Um, We also currently have 18 open positions and the need for critical physician leadership roles in our biggest specialties. So anesthesia, internal medicine, primary care, emergency medicine, and orthopedic surgery. And so as soon as we identified this problem, we got to work. This all started last May. We initiated a compensation review with our board um, in full uh, transparency due to the attrition concerns that we were seeing and our goal at that point was quite minimal it was to actually just consider an adjustment to get all providers to a minimum percentile relative to our national benchmark. After that we formed a physician led multi specialty compensation committee. Um, We agreed on guiding principles alongside the AHS leadership team. We socialized these guiding principles to all of our physicians, and we partnered with AHS on getting access to accurate data to inform our proposal. We then um, moved through the summertime and identified our key specialties to restructure. And we retained outside consultants so that we would make sure that this process was truly rigorous. Finally, at the end of last year, we previewed our proposal with you. Um, And we sent our final proposal over to the AHS executive leadership team um, with some back and forth on language and details. And so now we stand before you today to seek approval for this proposal, which all along the way has been incredibly collaborative, transparent um, and involving of uh, many of the physicians that you've heard on this call, as well as other leaders and individuals. Um, we uh, were very transparent about where the data was. We published the percentiles by specialty to determine where we would prioritize our time. Um, we benchmarked to the local market and national markets, and we also worked very closely with our physician organizers of our union. We informed SCIU of this proposal last fall and actually got documentation from them that they did not consider this an unfair labor practice as of December. And so we've shown this slide before, but our vision is quite simple. It's two things. One is to raise Dr. every- Dr.
20: Akhilis Sworn, I'm sorry to interrupt I'm getting yes. comments um, uh, saying that the slides are not advancing.
30: Okay. Um,
20: uh, would you like me to share my screen?
30: Um, yeah, and I actually, do you have the slides?
20: Um, actually, maybe not then if this is an update. They are in the
16: board advantage. And the board packet, yeah. I think, uh, Chitra, if you click on, or uh, Dr. Achilles Warren, if you click on the slide, we'll be able to see it. Yeah.
20: Kim, uh, if you have the slides, it looks like you should share, please. A pull them up, but I do.
1: I, I have them. I'm ready. I can I can share the ones that are uh, in the board packet, assuming those are the same ones that we want to share. So give me just yeah. one second, and I'll share my screen. That looks good. Is that your screen, Ronna? Yes, that's my screen. Just let me know what slide to advance to, please.
30: We can go to the second slide. Yes. Are we okay to pick back up? Yes, I think please, we're good.
7: Proceed, yes, thanks. You.
30: Thank you, thanks for interrupting. And I apologize for not um, not noticing that the slides weren't advancing, they were on my end. Um, And so our vision is quite simple it's two things one is to raise um, all providers to a minimum percentile compensation and the second is to to repair and eliminate any inequities between providers of the same specialty that may suggest. Bias with respect to gender race or any other any other factor, and those are the two main things we obviously want this to be a foundation that helps support any additional compensation competitiveness and. um, Package revision moving forward, but we don't anticipate that's going to happen um, with the Union for at least in the another 12 to 18 months and i've gotten verification from our colleagues um, and others that the timeline is 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 reasonable on that, Um, and so um, we can go to the next slide. I'm going to skip this one and turn over to Kim because I think I've covered most of um, the goals here.
16: All right. So this next slide just gives the overview of the PSA more of a, as a reminder and also to, uh, to uh, report the total cost of the contract. So the PSA consists of fixed expenses and variable expenses. The fixed expenses are the FTEs of East Bay Medical Group and their benefits and some overhead costs for payroll taxes, retirement, all in. And then the variable are the expenses for call and for SANS, which are service as needed providers. So the uh, total contract cost was just under 75 million for FY21. Our current run rate annualized is 75.5. And our next 12 months um, with this proposal, it will cost 84.8 million. That's a not to exceed. So that's a 9.3 million increase or 12.3% over the current run rate. Next slide, please. Please, um, I I should point out very important that we have, it's more than just, it's not that we're giving a flat 12% or more raise to everyone. Uh, It also has additional FTEs or full impact of FTEs that we have been able to recruit. So this next slide gives examples of uh, specialties where we've done a lot of analysis uh, and there's been a lot of work from the comp committee and the consultants and uh, Chitra and a lot of the East Bay Medical Group doctors. So I I just picked three just to kind of give you a good view of what's what's happening. So for cardiology here, all in, they were at about the 30th percentile of compensation. We've raised them up to about the 49th percent, but notice the color difference in the bars. The cardiology base compensation is going up substantially and their call compensation is coming down. In this particular specialty, we can embed a lot of the call, which is consistent with what the surveys say are what cardiologists typically do in as an FTE in an organization. So it's consistent with survey data. And then yes, if they do do extra call, then of course we want to pay them for it. So we've left some dollars in there for that purpose. For ENT, You can see we we weren't able to do quite as much of that here, but you can see we've raised them from like the 23rd percentile up to the 55th percentile, but make sure you recognize that this green is extra call. So we've embedded what we can, which is based on market, but when they do call above and beyond, they need to be compensated additionally for that. So we've adjusted the base and we've also, uh, reflected the extra call rates in the green. We have the oncology here, um, same idea. We've raised it just slightly here. We've embedded call, and then we're going to pay extra when they do more than what would be normally expected of an FTE uh, in the green. So next slide, please. And Chitra, you want to take
30: over? Yeah, I can conclude. Um, I just want to say that I'm really proud of the efforts that we've made. I think you can see and hear on this call that we have a really unified approach to what we're asking for today. Um, this is critical. It's urgent. Um, we've been waiting. Some people have been waiting for a, a decade for any sort of compensation, um, restructuring, or review, and it's really a necessary corrective adjustment to inequities from the past. So I really urge you to consider this proposal. I also um, wanna say that this process over the last eight months has truly galvanized our physicians to work closely with um, the AHS executive leadership team and build a foundation of trust and that trust Um, Is uh, going to serve us when we take on more difficult more challenging items which include. um, impacts on uh, patient safety and quality when we're trying to expand services and we're trying to address issues of health equity in our Community so. um, i'm really looking forward to the show of faith that um, you all make towards us today, so that we can continue to build on that trust and advance the, the mission of our organization, thank you i'll take questions.
7: Thank you, Dr. Kiliswarren. Can I um, check in with board members? Are there questions? I'm not seeing, let me see the full screen here. Um, I can see the gallery. So I see that um, board member Trustee Esteen has her hand up. Go ahead, Jennifer.
8: Thank you. Yeah, I just wanted to know if any changes were made to the proposal from last week to now, or if it's the same. Same. No
7: changes everywhere. So this is a proposal that was heard by the Finance Committee. And and I understand there was some robust discussion there as well. Um, let's see. Other trustees? Mark, did, Trustee Friedman, did you have a question?
3: No, when, when you're ready, I have a comment. No question.
7: OK, if other trustees don't have a question, I'll ask. Um, I, I wanted to just get some feedback from some discussion that we heard from the public comments, and um, I, I'm wondering why, why first of all, there are several of our department heads are interim, and how this proposal will address that.
30: Thank you. I'm happy to help answer that. Um, we have had departures in leadership over the last few years um, for a number of reasons. I think in part because compensation is not appropriate for leadership we've never really actually ever reviewed physician leadership what's required of our physician leadership whether they have the support they need and whether they're compensated appropriately so um, this proposal starts to get at that one of the biggest challenges for physician leadership is recruiting and staffing their, their services and when you can't do that, and you have to fill in and take on all the responsibilities of the leadership, it's very demoralizing, and I think it makes it very difficult for leaders to want to stay. So, at minimum, this will help leaders staff their services. Um, and we are embarking on our next stage of this um, work by looking at leadership in particular and looking at their compensation. So, this will continue to build.
7: So, this does as um, as actually as Kim Miranda pointed out this proposal will, it's not just an across the board flat increase, it will address some of the, the, the differences and the discrepancies in certain positions that, that have been identified by EBMG and by, um, AHS leadership. That's, That's right.
30: We actually looked at all the specialties and prioritized the ones, um, to do more work on where they are critical in terms of staffing and where they're having the most difficulty in recruitment. Um,
7: Any other questions from board members? If not, I'm going to ask um, if our CEO has any comments or or anything to add to the presentation.
5: Well, just thank you very much, um, Vice Chair. I appreciate the opportunity. 382 days, not that I'm counting, 382 days ago, um, I became the CEO. And one of the main charges that I had was to, Reestablish, rebuild, reconnect the relationship with the physicians. Dr. Achilles Swarin assumed her role not long after. We have been working diligently since then. And so, kudos to her, to Kim Miranda, and to the team for putting this together. I think it's been very clearly stated what the implications are, certainly financially, but emotionally if this is not to move forward. And so I'm grateful to the, to the full board for your willingness to hear this tonight. I know that there was some question about that but I think that it was important that this um, move forward. And I believe that these uh, proposals stand on their merits and I look forward to the decision of the trustees. Thank you.
7: Thank you, um, James. If there are no other questions and I'll ask um, Trustee Friedman, you had a comment you wanted to share?
3: Yeah, I just want to thank all of the physicians who emailed all of us, and I'm sorry there was such a volume; I couldn't reply. Uh, but I consider this a reply of gratitude for the time and energy you put into contacting us and to be here tonight with a very compelling testimony. The dedication of our physicians is fantastic, and. The timing for this proposal is terrific because of the finance report we had earlier. Um, The fact that we're doing so much better than we had anticipated means that this is a very reasonable proposal that is the least we can do to maintain our wonderful uh, workforce of physicians. So I'll I'll let somebody else who's been more involved uh, make a motion, but... uh, I'm really glad to see the participation and the management uh, staff cooperation.
7: Thank you, Trustee Friedman. Um, Trustee Banerjee, you had your hand up?
4: Yeah, I, I too wanted to extend my gratitude uh, for this process and this you know, thoughtful, inclusive, and really uh, process that has been in the works for as uh, as many months as, as it has been. Uh, it has been our compensation has uh, uh, structure has been very spotty and very inequitable, and seeing the fairness that's come into it, our staff, our physicians, and our other staff are a lifeline of the organization, and we can't do the field facing work unless we do like uh, instill a profound sense of belongingness within our own staff over here. So again. Seeing, I am, um, you know, um, thank you for the emails that came our way, uh, but also some of the guiding principles for this, some of the vision and the values that were underpinning this, uh, shows us that we are on the right track to course correct and uh, make, you know, set things um, on 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 a more on more just principles. So, thank you for that.
7: Thank you, Trustee Banerjee, Trustee Fox, and then Trustee Svendoya.
2: You're you're muted, Alan. Uh, I want to just just congratulate Dr. Achilles Warren and thank her and and, uh, Kim Miranda and all the leadership within EBMG. Uh, I think it's a great achievement to get this done in eight months, even though eight months seems like a long time because I've known in the past, sometimes within the medical group, it can take years for all the specialties to line up behind uh, a compensation package like this. So to get it done in eight months, uh, I think it just shows that there is a lot of dedication among among the physicians on the medical staff.
7: Thank you, Trustee Fox. Trustee Smidoria.
18: Uh, Likewise, I'd like to commend Chitra and Kim and all their effort. Um, and i also like to thank uh, the ph- physicians for your cohesiveness. And, uh, and lastly, I'll just use an old joke. I appreciate you guys send emails. I could read your handwriting. <laughs> uh,
10: trustee
7: Esteen.
8: Yeah, I wanna say uh, I am very thrilled to see, that's my favorite word y'all. When I get in this board meeting, it's all about being thrilled. Uh, I'm thrilled to see the, doc, the medical doc, medical staff participation. and the urgency with, with, with which everyone has acted and responded, and the strong advocacy for compensation that is fair, that is equitable, that closes gender pay gaps, that recognizes that yes, the physicians who work in our system often have lives that are similar to the patients we serve, and that folks deserve fair pay. I am also very proud of the work that the doctors have done to organize. And I will say that I think it's no coincidence that waiting nine years for a pay raise, there's one happening now while you have been organizing your union. So congratulations for the work you are doing and keep it up.
7: Thank you, Trustee Esteen. Trustee Blue.
9: I call the question. And thank you physicians for coming out and uh, speaking uh, about what your conditions are. It's really important that we uh, document this so that people understand um, how hard our doctors work and the rest of the staff. So I call the question.
7: Um, trustee Blue, before you call the question, we wanted to hear from Trustee Chapman from our, our um, brand new trustee who had a comment oh. or a question.
6: Um, thank you. I just I just wanted to um, just kind of echo the sentiments of everyone. The presentation in PowerPoint was done very well, and uh, I have to tease the doctors because a, a few of them did contact me and I wasn't even sworn in yet, but you did give me some good information and some good background information to go on. And so I really appreciate um, being included before um, I was actually official. And um, I I new to being a Board of trustee, but I'm definitely not new to the healthcare system. So I applaud you for all the work that you've done and all you will continue to do. And I look forward to working with you all.
7: Thank you, Trustee Chapman. And I'll just add that um, I've been on the board for seven and over seven years. And um, this is really the first time I think that that there's been such a, a although these issues and these, these concerns have been in an issue for the time that I've been on the board for seven or seven years at least it's the first time that um, I think leadership physician leadership EBMG, along with AHS leadership have really gotten down and talked and figured out the way to address it the way that's going to support our system that's going to support our solvency in the system and also ensure that we can retain the physicians who are so so important who are the the backbone of of this system. And so I applaud everyone who's worked on this, all of the physicians of EBMG for your input. I'm sure it was necessary and to um, Kim Miranda and your your team and AHS leadership. This is really exciting that we're gonna move forward with this and now at this point, I will ask for a motion to approve this item, to approve this contract.
8: I'll make the motion to approve this item so the doctors can get pay raises.
1: I'll second.
7: Okay. And we'll take a roll call. Your
1: Trustee Banerjee. Aye. Aye. Trustee Blue. Aye. Trustee Chapman, Aye. Aye. Trustee Esteem.
22: Aye.
1: Trustee Fox.
22: Aye.
1: Trustee Friedman. Aye. Trustee Jensen. Aye. Trustee Slendario. Aye. The motion passes.
7: Thank you, everyone. And in closing, let me just say that this um, it, this was really it was really important that the finance committee heard this. The finance committee discussed it and debated it. And regardless of the outcome of the procedural issue, I think that we all really benefited from that that process. And so, thank you, everyone. And now let's get the um, the doctor chair back.
20: Trustee Jensen, uh, we can uh, we have the staff reports that are written, which we usually uh um, it's it's just for reading only we can go into closed session now the dr chair will be is waiting for us in closed session
7: oh, okay then um we we don't need to approve the those reports those are just informational and so with that um thank you to everyone who attended the meeting tonight thank you to all the participants everyone who had some support and thoughts and sharing and um we all i guarantee you all of the board members will read all of the emails that you sent on this at some point in the near future. So um, thank you with that. We'll ask for a motion for an adjournment to closed session. Do we need a motion? No,
20: there's no motion needed. Okay,
7: Uh, then I'll call adjournment to closed session. Thank you.
20: Thank you. The board will now go into closed session to consider those items as stated on the closed session uh, agenda. Thank
7: you. Did you want to say something, Trustee Esteen? Okay.
8: Just waving to the hundreds of people <laughs> walking away.
7: Great, thank you. Maybe we'll do this in person sometime soon, hopefully, right? Okay, we're going to close.
1: I'm moving all the trustees and appropriate staff over to closed. Give me just one moment. Uh, the list is scrolling so with everybody leaving. So it's a little bit hard. So please
10: just give me a moment.